record. It now says episode 59. Nice. That's no, we 69, could, 59. We could just skip an episode and like pretend. Like it happened and nobody... He's like, where did it go? Right. And then when people are like, what happened? That we're like, we, we don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah, what are you talking <laughs> about? What's, what's out there? It's, it's on the internet. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> we can't find it. Or just skip all the way to 100 and be done. Like, yeah, we made it. Welcome and then and then go back and do the episodes we skipped and like as a retrospective. <laughs> we're going to revisit episode sixty now. <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean, it looks like a good, solid four and a half hours of content that we'll three. All right. <laughs> Situation normal. All, all fouled up. This is Snafu. All right, welcome to episode 57. I mean, 59. 59, right? What episode is it? 57, 57 version 1 also 59 what? okay anyway alright so welcome to another episode of Snafu uh, I'm Rick say hi Pat evening guys uh, Jeff Jeff <laughs> of course every time this is like normal at this point say hi Dale hey guys hey good job thanks Dale alright we're going to talk about <laughs> our, our, we got into very you didn't you didn't do the uh the old, I don't even remember who the comedian was that did that. Uh, we got a jam-packed agenda tonight. We have lots of tournament stuff, um, both some tournaments that we may attend, some Warlord-supported stuff, um, maybe some advice for playing for being in your first tournament, and then some other stuff that has been emailed to us. So why don't we start with our hobby update? So should um, go pretty quick. Yeah, right. Um, How far uh, are you on Valheim, or what game are you playing now? Uh, I'm actually I've actually moved away from the video games I have now dragged a bunch of you idiots into a book reading with me so that's actually kind of nice to to sit down and actually read a book again has been pretty fantastic so um, and and for those that are that want to read along at home we're reading a book called American Hippo it's hilarious so or the summary is we haven't started reading it we're about to start reading it that was a real book Um, it's a real book about a fictional about a fictional uh, American history where we decided to start raising hippos for meat. Okay. And apparently we were actually relatively close to this, I guess. I don't really know. But, um, and then all the bad things that happens because hippos are pretty nasty, mean, so it, giant it animals. So it sees the scenario out to a potentially logical conclusion. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep, right. yep. Cool. That Wait, sounds like it. Refresh my memory. Does hippo taste good? I wouldn't know. You probably would have a better idea than I would. You've been to places where they might actually serve hippo. That's fair, but I don't think I've ever eaten hippo, and the thought of eating hippo never crossed my mind. Mostly I'm concerned about not being eaten by a hippo. Right, well, yeah, there's yes. that. There's the, there's the food chain thing there you worry yeah, about. Yeah, you're, you're kind of not on the same level as, as like, cows. I hear I, they like chocolate. Hippos? <laughs> I hear they like marbles. Um, <laughs> just the hungry ones. Just the hungry ones. Um, to, to your question, I think they probably taste relatively similar to beef. That's from my understanding. Okay. Kind of Kind of cattle-like. But 
who knows? Anyway, that's a different topic for a different day. Jeff, uh, have you been doing any hobby stuff? How's your partisans coming? <laughs> partisans are coming along fine. Um, putting a few together. I still got a paint cue left on some few Italian odds and ends and some stuff I printed. But a lot of my hobby update this time has been printing. The 3D printer's chugging along again, chewing up filament by the mile. So that's good. Uh, I'm on my last building is on the printer right now for my uh, Ramel board. And when that one's done, we'll move on to the next Kickstarter I backed, which is the uh, Kelly's Heroes terrain oh, table. Yeah. Nice. nice. You backed that one, too. Oh, hell yeah. It's, I've, been wait, I've been trying to build that out of pieces I can, you can buy for years, and it could never quite get the right look down. So when the guy's like, yeah, I've got all the buildings from here I'm just going to release as a kit, it's like, yep, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. so. I was to say, the... the building that i saw that you posted a picture of today was actually is a fantastic looking model because it like it kind of took advantage of the print lines as far as like making siding almost is what it yep. felt like like it gave you that kind of textured outside look without without having to texture it yeah yeah exactly i thought yep. it looked really it was a kind of a slick way of using taking advantage of yeah i figured that was intentional because you didn't bitch about any z, z jump any of this time so yeah because it, yeah, nope. it looked like it was z jumping but i think it was looked intentional yeah oh it's very intentional the other thing you have to remember is that's directly under a big led work light so any any deviation in the in the lines you're going to see really clearly in that lighting if you picked okay. it up and ran your finger across it it feels smooth as glass Ooh, oh nice. really okay. nice okay cool maybe, maybe someday we'll get that chance yeah right well I'm gonna have. I'm Jeff, running out of. Sp- yeah. To yeah, rubber hands on Jeff. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It's been a year. It really has. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> as crazy as it is. Anyway, all right. Uh, anything else? Oof. I'm sorry. I got distracted thinking about being rubbed down now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yikes. What was I doing? What was I doing? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> houses. You're printing houses. Printing houses. Yeah. No, we're, we're just about done with that, and then. I just have to put them under the airbrush and paint them all up, which thankfully with World War II stuff, it's usually about 50 different shades of dull earth tones and grays, so it doesn't take too long to paint. Cool. Fabulous. All right, Pat, what are you doing? Uh, we can check two more boxes off the hobby checklist. My God, you're going to you're gonna check it all off. I, I'm hoping to. Uh, I Good got a uh, 10-man rifle squad done, so Soviets. Nice. Actually, mm-hmm. technically eleven, but you know who's counting. You um, are. Yeah, and I also got uh, I got two team weapons. I got a American uh, Marine small mortar and a medium howitzer done, but those only count as one because it's just the team weapon. So I got those. I actually sure. got stuff done. Uh, started assembling more Soviets, and then realized that oh hey, there's a tournament. That I might potentially have a chance to go to, which we'll talk about later. There's no way in hell the Soviets can be done for that. Oh, dude. So I uh, went back and started grabbing my Marines back out of the box, and I'm like, you know, these guys, I kind of left them uh, what I'm going to call uh, par-painted, meaning they're okay, but uh, some highlights and a little extra punching up will make them look a lot better, so I'll spend some time on that. Mm-hmm. So that'll, that'll take me a couple months. Uh, and then... I am almost done fixing my goddamn 3D printer again. <laughs> it's well, been down since last episode, but I think we skipped over it because it's just too depressing. What <laughs> broke this time? Uh, so the fan that's on the front, that's the, I think it's the, the hot end fan. Mm-hmm. That started started stopping. 
and then stopped altogether. And then I also noticed that somewhere the silicone boot got knocked off the hot end, and the thermistor was acting wonky because I was getting temperature ranges that were well below what it normally runs at. Is run, normally they run at 200 or 201 Celsius. For those of us that don't understand, that's really hot in Fahrenheit. Don't touch it. Uh, it was dropping to 195, 196. So I'm like, well, crap. That probably the fan went out and probably damaged the thermistor. And now I just got to replace. So we replaced both fans and the hot end. I got everything all wired back up, and now I just need to remember which way the fan goes back on. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's got two fans on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. The one I figure out. So it's got the one that's right on the hot end, and then it's also got I forget the name of it, but it's on the side of it, and it basically just. Uh, shoots under there and keeps the whatever else needs to be cooled down there. So there's okay. two fans basically on the hot end. Okay. Do they so, have like a auto parts store for 3D printer parts? Uh, it's called Amazon. Oh, okay. It's close enough. There, there also are, yeah, there's dedicated there shops to 3D yep. printer stuff. Okay. But mine, and I think we'll probably talk about this towards the end of the episode more about the what the 3D printers are, but mine I ordered from Amazon and they stock all the replacement parts for it. And, you know, the two fans were 15 bucks. The new hot end was 20 bucks. The biggest pain in the butt with that is uh, running the wires down through this little sleeve they have, which is nice because it keeps all the wires together. Uh, it's that's. Uh, how would you do? You have one of those mesh things, the expandable mesh, on yours, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Like he opens up and just wraps around it and closes back up. Yeah. Yeah, like you can like open it to like, you know, six inch diameter, and then it sucks back up down to the, the half inch and holds yep. everything together. Yep. Yeah, so those, those are pretty slick. But uh, having to move all those wires all the way through that and then in through the smallest goddamn hole in the world on the back of the motherboard. Yep. In that case. And then it's got these screw-down uh, connectors, which are the biggest pain in the ass in the world. Because as you're screwing them down, it likes to push the wire off instead of pinching it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I finally discovered that when you're putting it when you're putting it back in place, you turn that thing very, very slowly and very patiently. And it will bite on it instead of pushing it away. Is there enough? I, I'm not familiar with your board. Is there enough room that you could either put those fork ends on your wires so they sl- slide underneath? And you could screw them down. Is that a possibility? Uh, it is, but I didn't have any fork ends. Okay, well, that's fine. <coughs> and I don't know that it would be wide enough. Sure. So, so I'm going to make a. This is kind of a stupid suggestion because I'm kind of following what you're saying. You're putting a wire under a screw, and when you push the screw, when you're when you're Tightening the screw, it's kicking the wire out. Yes. Flip Ooh. the wire over so that it's on the other side of the screw. Not, Does that make sense? Uh, it's not possible. Okay. All right. Because sometimes if you just turn it so that the wire is is moving with the the way you're the way you're tightening the screw, it's an old electrician trick. That's the way you should do it anyway. Is that when you're tightening, it's actually pulling it in instead of pushing it out. If that makes sense. It's only got it's only got one side port that you can get it in oh so. okay yeah it's not so cool then that sucks no right and most people i mean i of course watch some videos on youtube about replacing it and most people don't bother with the anything going to the motherboard they just do the wire splice on the outside mm-hmm. got it okay which like that's great but i've already pulled all these wires out so i have to do it this way <laughs> <laughs> whoops yeah. yeah so anyway it's all uh, almost put back together. I just got to get the Bowden tube on there and then put it back in its home and let it run. I did test the fan, so I know that works, but I haven't fired up and made sure the hot end and thermos- thermistor are working. But uh, 
That's the pain in the ass of 3D printing. It is. There's yeah. always something. It's kind of like owning a boat. You know, you get lots of fun enjoyment out of it, but yep. sometimes you don't like owning a boat. Yep. So, cool. But once it's running, they're fucking fantastic, and I look mm-hmm. forward to it because... I started uh, working on my Stalagrad board because I have all my. I'm still working from home and still have all the fun design software there. So I'm like, hey, I could do it this way. Well, why don't I just draw? It? Why don't I just model it up and then I can make an STL file and then I can print. Damn it! I need to fix that fucking printer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you got the software at home, just start making more and more files. Just well, yeah, I could just make the files till the cows come home. Right? Yep, yeah. Yep. So cool. yeah, that's 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 what I've been dealing with hobby wise. That sounds more hobbyish than I've got going. How about you, Dale? Do you have anything going? Have you been doing any hobbying? Not like uh, miniature hobbying, but you know, the usual stuff. The plan is um, tomorrow. I okay. should be able to get some paint out. Um, I picked up. Um, I, I kickstarted the game. It has little pirate ships in it, and so um, I think one of the check the checklist things was paint a couple of miniatures from something else. And so um, I've always wanted to paint little pirate ships, so I'm gonna going to fire that stuff back up. I finally went back. I'm back in the office full-time now again. Okay. With everything going on. And um, and when I was working from home, that ate up my primary hobby space work area. And um, because of my work situation for many years, I was on the road. I com- compartmentalized being at home and being at work. And so if I'm at work, then I, I can't really think about anything at home. And when I'm at home, I didn't think about anything at work. And so when, when they kind of when work moved into my hobby area um if i wasn't working and it wasn't time to work i didn't want to be around my my work because then i'd work yeah <laughs> so, i get that i, yeah, so, I just I, the ultimate solution to that is you just don't work at all well i i mean <laughs> that that is a solution yeah it's not what i recommend but <laughs> yeah i don't know that that's, that's my ultimate solution i don't know that's a long-term solution <laughs> yeah. i mean if they keep sending you paychecks it's fine just just just, just yeah. don't work as hard I guess. Yeah. Until, they, my, until they fix the glitch yeah right, yeah. right. Took away, yeah. they've already taken away my stapler so my ultimate solution was to um, was to just transition back fully into the office 100% I'm the only one there most oh, of the time okay. so it's not I mean it's, it's not one of those uh, there's not a concern as far as that goes sure um, and I and my commute isn't awful at all it's it's not far so it's not a burden so sure um, so now that, that that's back happening, I've got my big desk, so I'm cleaning that off and um, pulling out some miniatures, and, and we'll start painting again. So it's, yeah, your, be good. your commute basically drives by my house, and my commute drives to your house. Exactly. So. And and you know that that's, it's not far. So. It's not far, no. It's easy. Yep. My commute so shorter. So. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, yours is, yours, yeah, actually, yours is quite a bit shorter. The only, yeah. the only issue is um, a new issue. Um, my wife um, got a treadmill and an exercise bike. Okay. And um, the treadmill is now in my hobby room <laughs> since I put that together. Well, that treadmill's going to have some nice clothes. And so, no, it's it's been used every day. So she can't use good. it tonight because I'm recording in, in the hobby room. But um, and I don't know that the that the bike is going to make it in here. We'll see. So I don't know. It's hobby slash exercise room. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. But that's okay. I wouldn't recommend trying to airbrush while on a treadmill. Probably not. Or yeah. Paint, and, and for a while I was thinking about, oh, getting a standing desk or a desk that, like a standing paint desk and stuff like that. Because yeah. we have some friends that do that. Um, but I don't know that um, 
I don't know that I can make that work. I so. used to say our, our friend Joe that has one, he swears by it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, absolutely swears by the you know the the difference it makes in his ability to like paint for longer. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe I'll do that. I was gonna I was gonna spend some money on a really nice gaming table, um, board gaming table. Um, okay, I already spent a, a ton of money on freaking bolt action gaming table, but, <laughs> um, but I kind of put that off. Um, mostly because there's a treadmill in my hobby room now, <laughs> so maybe um, maybe I'll try that standing desk thing. I don't know if, if any if, if any of you guys have a, a standing hobby desk or something. Let us know if that how yeah. you made that work or what the considerations are or any recommendations that might be helpful. So I was gonna say I haven't bought one yet, but there's I'm eyeing one up for my basement bed or my basement office. Okay, so I'll I'll let you know. I'm gonna basically making an L desk, but one one side of the L would be able to stand up. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. So now are you constructing it? No. Nope, or are nope. you taking advantage of existing technology? I am taking advantage of my Best Buy discount. Okay. All right. There you go. So, yeah. Gonna gonna build up. Uh, so I'm going to have one side that's a it's an insignia standing desk. I, I don't know if that's awesome. Or I don't that, know. No, it's just, it's our, that's our, it's our. It's our brand. Yeah, it's Best Buy oh, okay. brand. All right. So it's usually a better deal for me to get that stuff nice yep well hey pimp that shit as, as long as I get the discount I don't mind <laughs> I can't unfortunately <laughs> share discounts That's, that, is, that is frowned upon and not something I would say on the air anyway I don't know it feels like it's a sponsorship that you're, that mm. you're, you're running no, on the podcast in no, way is this, in no way is this podcast sponsored by Best Buy <laughs> <laughs> alright alright fair enough <laughs> So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Hopefully, next time we uh, we chat, I'll be able to talk about some miniatures I got painted. So yeah, cool. All right. Well, I mean, we're a year into a pandemic. I can understand us all being a little itchy about hobby stuff. So some of us are doing better than others. I've completely I, I fallen think, off the rat wagon. So I think for the most part, we've we've hung on a lot more than some. Dude, I haven't. You remember I've, the year ago? Like, oh man, this the stay at home. I'm going to get so much painted. Oh, dude, it didn't happen. It's like. No. Because literally, like a week after I started, I'm like, "Ooh, I'm going to build a computer, and now I'm going to play video games instead." <laughs> Shit, what happened? I basically just lost a year to video games. That's you know, but that's it's kept me sane. You know, that's all I can ask for in the year, and you know, whatever it's taken to make everyone else feel that way too. That's good. Like, you're I'm, sane. When did that start? Good point, actually. Well, as, it's, as it's sane a relative as, scale. Yeah, yeah, sure. right. Yeah. yeah, I didn't completely lose my mind. How's that sound? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So maybe I wasn't really all that sane before. But nah, anyway. Not, not any worse than the rest of us. No, right. Well, we're all playing video games together at this point, so. Shh. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we, as we always do, let's, let's go over some rules that have come up recently. We actually get lots of questions about this stuff frequently um, on our Discord channel. If you're unfamiliar, uh, you can, I don't know how you find Discord channels. You have to unfortunately find us on Facebook to find us on Discord. Um, but that's just the way Discord works. You can't search for us. But anyway, so that's we're on Discord. Um, if you have rules, questions, you can actually ask them on Facebook or Discord. It doesn't really matter. But we've just been getting a lot more of them more as of late. Discord's on Discord. certainly a faster turnaround. Oh, it's a better tool in general because you can have discussion, and it doesn't. It's not as it's not as clunky as Facebook can be, and right. it's not as hard for us to reply either because like mm-hmm. you have to jump through hoops to find people's comments. So pain in the rear end for administrators but anyway all right so let's start with the one that um 
unreliable. So this is the unreliable pin. So if a unit's in an unreliable transport, this yeah, this started as a Facebook, and then all the optimist weigh in, and then everything else. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then and then somebody emailed uh, tournaments at warlordgames.com, which is uh, John and Paul. Right. This this actual question. So John's yeah. like, did you tell them to email at, at tournaments? I said, no, for tournaments. I told them to do it for tournaments, not for questions. He's like, well, now we're getting rules queries. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll answer it. Well, so answer it. Yeah, don't make it hard on them. So anyway, so the question is basically... An unreliable transport has a unit inside it, and it takes additional pins because of the unreliable rule. Did the units inside the transports take additional pins as well? Is that correct? That I worked yes. correctly. So, and then here's uh, you want. We'll do the answer first, and the, the short answer is, yeah, they take the same amount of they take the same amount of pins as the vehicle they're in. Uh, where it gets mucky is that unreliable rule doesn't exist in the bolt action rulebook itself. Yeah. It comes from, uh, I think it's in like the Soviet Army. I know it's in the Finnish Army where they have certain vehicles that have this, and they explain what the unreliable rule is there. Right. So the optimist says, well, clearly that's not how the rule was intended when it was written in the Bolt Action Rulebook. They didn't necessarily have this unreliable rule at the time. Well, this is how the rule is written. It's, so where the know. hell are they finding transports that are unreliable in the main rulebook if the main rulebook doesn't have unreliable? Uh, there aren't. It's in the Finnish book and it's in the Soviet book. Okay, so I guess the optimist in me says if, and the if Soviets, it's got a special rule, it's got to be there. Right, and the Soviets, mm-hmm. it, it applies to uh, certain vehicles. Sure. Uh, in the Finnish, obviously they swiped all the Soviet vehicles, and so all of those have the unreliable because they don't have the proper spare parts or proper maintenance to them. Right. Because they're they're stolen or Right, isn't that usually or, part of the captured rule? Yes. Okay. Generally almost speaking, almost all of them. Right? But in the case of the Finns, one of their like two transports has the unreliable rule, and this is kind of where that question comes from, I think. Yeah. I I mean, I don't 100% agree with it, but the way the rules are written, that makes it's it's pretty clear in my mind that it does apply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if they wanted to change mm-hmm. it, I wouldn't be heartbroken. But it, as, as it stands, yeah, I absolutely have to take the extra pins. Yep. So. Okay. Well, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> this next one's interesting because... Uh, we it, had both sides of the coin in the conversation. Yeah, yeah it's, there's always a discussion about this because I think it's an inter- it is an interesting topic. When can you measure and what can you measure? Because uh, we had two relatively new players playing a, playing a game and they asked us, I moved my units into what I thought was the opponent's deployment zone and he measured it to check to make sure he was in the zone to score points at the end of the game. And you're like, well, that sounds wrong. But they, And I think we all agreed that that probably wasn't the correct way to do it. You should probably not yes. be measuring that. Right. But then it got us into a whole discussion about what you can and can't measure and when and why. And, and who you're supposed to tell about what you measured because, you know, there's a lot of times where someone's targeting one of your units and they'll measure from theirs and go, oh, yeah, it's in, it's in close range, it's in short range. And you, yeah. you deserve to know what that number was as well. A hundred percent agree. Like that, yeah. it should be a, like if one person knows it, the other person should know it. That's absolutely. Yes. Yep. That's I think almost any game that you play that should be the case. Yep, and you know it it is, and I, it's not explicitly stated in the rules as such, but 
I mean, I mean, I would argue if they don't want to tell you, you could also measure it as well. Like, mm -hmm. if their unit is shooting at your, at your, you know, if yeah. their tank is shooting at your unit, you can you can take your tape measure out and measure it too if you have to. Yep. Yeah, and the other thing is that, that they talk about measuring back in, on uh, 31, and they simply say no measuring before deciding. So you're supposed to say, I've, you know, I'm moving in this mm -hmm. direction, I'm firing at that unit, and then take the measurement and make the move. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah. And you don't get to, like, move them, you know, like, say you're 14 inches away, and you want to make sure you're in short range, but you can't, like, measure to get to your 11-inch range. You have to... Right, you have to measure your movement, not your proximity to the target during right, the move. Right, exactly. It's, and this is something that probably comes up with newer war gamers in general, or miniature players in general, is like you get pretty good at guessing how long things or how far away things are from each other after a while. Yeah, it's not it's not even so much of an issue. Like I don't know that I would ever have to measure that last twelve inches for the purposes of scoring. I'm like I'm in I'm in the twelve inch range. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's. I think that's something that newer players will experience as they, you know, play more. They'll start to recognize that they don't necessarily need to measure that. Well, and here's here's and the other thing with that. Should. So there's so there are there are war games that you know measure anything you want to at any time, and there's those that you absolutely can't. But uh, one side of that coin says, okay, well, you're giving someone who's who's got a little better spatial recognition an advantage over that other player in that case. With, Certainly, is with, that with, is that something that should be with allowing with not allowing to measure yeah, everything? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you have more experience playing and you know you have a better idea of what ranges are, I've even seen people do sneaky sneaky stuff. Like they'll have their six inch measuring ruler, and it'll just be oh arbitrarily on the table somewhere. Yeah, but then they can kind of glance at that, and then they can you know approximate the distance from that. It's like. Dude, you're not using it. <laughs> Set it off to the side. <laughs> like, do so, you know how long their their forearm is? And they're like, hold on, let me lay it down. Let me, yeah, let me lean down here now. Oh, whoops, sorry. <laughs> um, the, right. um, the compulsion to win can be very strong. Yes. Yes, it can. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah. but while, while we may encounter that, I would think um, it's super rare. And we want to be careful um, that we that we don't overstate, especially if we're not certain that those things are actually happening. No, no, no. I mean, so. I, those right. are all I, anecdotal things from the past, right? But right. Yes. Right. And we've been we've been in tournaments for decades at this point. So I mean, yep. this mm -hmm. isn't something that happened right before COVID hit necessarily. No. So I mean, don't you know take all of this with you know a bit of. Um, of context. And so. To answer your question, Pat, as far as personally believing that. I don't think pre-measuring everything is a problem. I think if they wanted to go that route, and it's a different, it's probably changes the game a little bit. But it's there's nothing in this game that's like an old Warhammer cannon, right? That you have to like guess how far away something is before you shoot it. Like, yeah, it, 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 like well, you the said, mortar. it's kind of. I mean, yeah, I can't measure that. I've I've tried to, to medium mortar something that ended up being out of range. So. Yep. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like you don't have to guess where the mortar is going to land. You oh, don't have to oh say yes, it's that's right. Twenty-four inches away. Like that's right. I'm not saying I'm shooting at fifty inches, and right. then it's going to land. Know how, yeah, exactly. A, a dice, and then <laughs> yeah, how far does yeah. it bounce? That's right. None yes. of that stuff matters, and so pre-measuring in my mind is just a, it's a change in the game in a sense that everyone knows everything at all times. It does change things, but it doesn't break the game in my mind. 
and, and it does make it a little bit more accessible for newer players as far as being able to be spatially aware on their table. But that that's not, not the, the game. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's not, not the game. I just, he was asking a question if it matters whether or not you do pre-measuring right. in a game. And I, I've played in games that pre-measure. Um, I mm -hmm. love it, but I don't care either way. I guess I've done it both ways. So... Yep. So Pat, you said I mean that was that was one side of the coin, and I hadn't <coughs> thought of it that way in regards to it, there isn't an advantage uh, for those that are that have gained the experience or just have a talent that they're super spatially aware in that scale. Um, I guess I hadn't really thought of it that way. What's the other side of the coin? Which coin? Well, you said that there you know there are two sides to the coin. One side is. One there's side a, is there's, there's an advantage a, to right. it, and while the other side is that if you do if you are pre-measuring everything, you're taking that away. Yeah, you're leveling right. that playing field. Right. right. So one side you're like uh, that's that, that same coin. Okay, to your point, Pat uh, yeah. to Dale, uh, the, is if you if you take it away, you're actually removing an, uh, a, a skill that some people have gained over time. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're not rewarding those experienced players anymore, which is a frustration in some degree. It's like they've, they've put in the time, they've practiced, they know, you know, they've done this long enough that they understand it, and now you're kind of taking that away if you were to do So, so at a tournament, so. Uh, when you're getting ready, just walk around uh, to all the train and then and measure all the buildings that are there. <laughs> don't, so don't can, do that. Jesus. So can... <laughs> well, those tables are usually set up in advance. They are. I mean, at, at, um, at any level of play, I think we've all, we've all had at least one game where it's come down to, is this is this within twelve inches, or am I just outside of twelve inches? And mm -hmm. Missing by and, that piece. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, you kind of you tend to remember those moments, and if you're always pre-measuring, then maybe you miss out a little bit in that at least. So, I, I mean, for me, True. the rule the rule is that you know, you can only you can only pre-measure in one instance. I think that that we saw, and that was with um, snap to action. And well, so and tiger fear, right? Or no, you well, have to make um, new rules. The order has no. to be given yeah, yeah. straight. And yeah. so, um, and so for me, I mean, the rules. I mean, that's that's just kind of how it goes. And that's not to say that as people are learning to play, or they're coming from different game systems, they may have just um, uh, just just the process of always measuring, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I, again, and just back to the point, just let's just be careful that in those scenarios that we're not um, we're not adding um, or impugning a motive that that may not necessarily be there. So. Yeah, I I always assume ignorance and not malice. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he, he broke the rules, but he didn't mean to or intentionally do it. That's just right. happens sometimes. And right. And I think this particular player probably learned from it. Uh, they they resolved it, and nobody was upset by the sounds of it. So, good for them. They got along and had the rest of their game. So it wasn't a big deal. But mm -hmm. so, uh, it's an interesting rule. <laughs> Here's the next one. The next one's even better too. Multi. This one. This one threw me for a loop because I was like, "What? I don't know." So, multi Panzer Faust, any unit shooting at an armored target, you resolve. Do you shoot each of them individually? How do you do this? Like, there was a lot of uh, questions. So, <coughs> so the question was that they fired both their Panzer Faust at, a, at an armored car, and so they rolled two dice for the two Panzer Faust at the same time, and they hit with both, mm -hmm. and then they rolled the damage at the same time for both, and they got a one and a three. They're like. When do we check? Yep. Right. So, and if you if you look at this, and uh, um, I talked to Paul Walker about this, and he said, think of this as some as the one shot rule. Think of it as uh, multiple weapon systems 
from this. Like, so if you have a tank that has a turret and a hull mount, and you fire both of those at separate targets, you resolve them one at a time. Think of this in the same manner. Resolve them one at a time. Yep. So, so if they both hit, roll one dice first, resolve that for the damage, then roll the second one and resolve that for the damage. Yep. So in the case that you threw both your damage dice at the same time, you'd have to dice off which one went first. Because mm-hmm. that on-fire check could be one pin worse. Yeah. Uh, yep. Then, yep. So. And make sure you're declaring that you're shooting with both your Panzerfaust before you shoot the second one. Or right before you shoot any yes. of them, you need to say, I'm going to shoot with both of them. Right, because yep. they're on the same de- unit. So. Declare yeah. all weapons before resolving right. any. Yep. Yes. Yeah, just same, same sure vehicle. you don't daisy chain that along. You know, oh yeah, got that one. Okay, so the other one can go at this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's an easy mistake to make as a as a new player. Yes, yes it is. It's not a very common thing to have well, to deal with having multiple right. multiple hitting guns hitting with both Panzerfaust. That never happens. Well, that's that very rare. Itself, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to bring up another thing about Panzerfaust because we I don't know if we I can't remember if we talked about this last time. Panzerfaust do not give you Tiger fe- or uh, Tank Hunter. They do not. But no, they don't. I've seen it enough times where we've had multiple instances where people have said it does. It's yeah. an anti-tank weapon, it's so not, clearly it does. No, it's no, not how that works. It is not an anti-tank grenade. So but it's certainly not a unit with everyone having anti-tank grenades. Yes, for certain. It is not an inexpensive way to get anti-tank. And where does that thought process come from that it did? Uh, it actually is an interesting... Like I so, can see the rationale for some people because it does say in, anti-tank in the name. Well, before the FAQ, uh, I believe it was Hungary had an option for a 10-point Panzerfaust that then said this gives a Tank Hunter or something to that effect. Tank, tank Hunter if Panzerfaust taken. And then that was FAQ'd, I think it's page 65, in the Allies, France and the Allies. And then it was FAQ'd to say remove this. So that, I think, is where the original interpretation came from. The rest of it being that Panzerfaust is... An anti-tank weapon, so you should be able to. But the actual ruling that John and I had talked about was that no Panzerfaust are done in the shooting phase, not in the close combat phase. It's the easiest way to think of it. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah, it's not a group of guys with grenades and sticky bombs and whatnot swarming a tank and throwing crap down the hatches and whatnot. It's just, it's just yeah. But anyway, yes, cool. you're right. That has come up more than more than a couple times in the last few months. Yeah, sorry, I thought I'd bring it up since we were talking about Panzerfaust already. Yeah, <laughs> the cheapest stuff in the game. All right, so that was a that's a fun little bit of rule stuff. As always, be, inter- be interested to see when I actually like get out and play a game if I really have any idea how any of this oh means. My, if, oh I don't, if I don't have a half a day to look up the answer first before we talk about it, <laughs> I, I seriously I don't know what I'm going to do when I have to play a game again. My dice will be so warmed up and ready to go again. They'll roll nothing. Well, you start them all with sixes facing up, right? Yeah, it's how I keep them in the microwave, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right. Um, this is, a, is, again, another thing, another bonus of Discord, if you join us on there, is that Pat often asks for agenda items. And I think this is one came from, uh, from Discord as well. Uh, what things do we have on the table besides our miniatures and our dice and other you know, like you know obvious things what else do we have on the table yeah what do we use for pins what do we use for marking ranging in stuff and and things like that mm-hmm. 
Um, I'll go first. I don't use anything special. I just use dice and shit. I just like the laziest <laughs> gamer ever. <laughs> That's there's my answer. I'm, it's probably not very exciting for anyone else. I don't have any cool tools to use. Uh, that being said, when we were going to go to Ireland, I was working on stuff with Historique. We're still to, going to Ireland, by the way. Next year, hopefully, if shit doesn't hit the fan again. Yeah. Um, but I was working with Historique on making special dials for us to use in as a team for the U.S. So for, for dialing for ranging in, ranging in and pin markers, I think were the things I was going for. Mm-hmm. See, personally, I'm not a fan of pin markers that are the dial number thing because sometimes they can, you know, my eyes are getting older and it can be a little difficult to see. And those are tiny for sure. Yeah, and then for me to have to, you know, ask how many pins that unit have, I feel is kind of tipping my hand that I was looking at doing something towards that unit. So yeah. I personally have little, I don't like little button type things. I I don't remember it's history. I think some something else I got it from. I'll post it when I can think of it. History has like button type. Yeah, pins they have too. Yep, they have some of those. But it's a different company that I have that has just a whole array of them. Yep. Okay. So you use like a more you like magnets. You're using little tiny chiclet magnets, essentially, right? Except for they're not magnetic. Oh, they're not magnetic. Okay, you're right. not magnetic. Okay. Although the although other <clears throat> markers I did get, I did actually glue magnets to the back of them, and then I put them on a little uh, little eleven half by eight whiteboard. Yep. Mm-hmm. That then I just sit next to it, so I've got all my little ranging in ones, and I've got all the little NCO killed and stuff like that on there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, I was to say I remember you having stuff on a magnet, so that's why. Yep. Yeah, I had to add to add the magnets on there. Okay, got it. Okay, Jeff, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I like those. Well, I I uh, took the pin marker, the little explosion pin marker dials that come with your starter set for bolt action and the band of brothers set. Yep, I can't read those fucking numbers. Well, They're too nobody small. Nobody can. Nobody can. So I spray painted the the bases black and then the explosion part red and then kind of dry brushed them white and I just use them as each one of those as an individual pin marker. Okay. So they're like a little explosion. So you can look at mine and you'll know exactly how many pins there are by how many are sitting there. That And they look nice enough on the tabletop, I think. Mm-hmm. I love that you're using them for single pins instead of trying to use the stupid dial. Oh, yeah. You can't use those. It's too damn small for it. Well, and, it's, yeah. and when, they're, when they're red, you can't read them. They're like... Right. It's all monocolored. It's not possible. Yep, exactly. So I figured... And the thing was, is I bought two sets of those, so I had plenty of pin you had markers. a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> probably way too many. I probably could just beg more off of other people and get enough to do it again. Yeah. I used to say, there's a lot of people that don't like those pin markers that would be willing to give them up. Absolutely, yeah. But for ranging in, I, I use a special off-colored big dice of some sort to mark it, but that's it. I don't have a, a ranging in to- dial thing. So this is turning out to be very non-exciting for the people that are wondering what we have on our tables. A little bit, yeah, sorry. I've got a nice six-inch snafu uh, 2017 earlier that I used for measuring unit movements. Yeah, it, which yeah. is nice to have like this in the old war machine fidget type thing, right? Uh, <laughs> a, a fidget widget. It's a widget, not a fidget. But um. so Who did I go to that for? Uh, who does all the war machine tokens? All the oh acrylic my. tokens? Broken egg? No, it's the other no, one. No, broken token. Is it broken token? No, they do Litco stuff. No, I do. I've gone to Litco before too. But Litco, Litco is an amazing resource for acrylic pieces. Oh, you can, you can do custom stuff, and he'll work with oh. you and give you design, and it's he's awesome, and he's actually relatively affordable too. I did him for the last snap with the little <laughs> the auto cannon templates. Broken, it's mm-hmm. broken egg, dude. Uh, somebody besides broken egg. 
Well, he has like a million companies that do War Machine stuff, but Broken Egg is the, the one that was one. at Renegade that's like Jamie's brother-in-law or something like oh, that. Oh, that one, that one closed shop. No, oh, well, that's too bad. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, he decided it was time to hang up his hat and do something else, I guess, if I remember correctly. He was doing like X-Wing templates and stuff, I believe that guy is. Yeah, that. something he, like that. He decided to do something new. Um, I don't know exactly. There are lots of token makers out there if you feel the yeah, need to there do are. them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I've seen some very great bolt action ones, but uh, GC Mini also has a nice little token. They do actually for a while too. They got some pretty cool ones. Um, um, are are the GC Mini? Is his magnetic? Uh, depends which ones you get because he has. He has the ones that he makes, which is like the MDF, and they're like the dial kind that you can mm-hmm. put the order dice in. Mm-hmm. Those are interesting. I do have some of those. I don't ever use them. And he's also got some just some plastic or some acrylic ones that he cut as well. Okay. And I have a set of those, too. I used, um, um, I use, and um, you'll understand why I say used, but I have used Historique, his, mm-hmm. um, his little dials and things like that, and didn't mm-hmm. have any issues in his range and markers and... I bought the um, the pack that also came with objectives, uh, with three objective markers actually, and he used those for for years. Um, uh, but in the in the run up to WTC, I had picked up some magnetic tokens um, for pins and stuff like that because I felt like that might be easier in in um, possibly uh, competitive scenarios just to be able to see, you know, how many pins are actually on that. You know, so that people could just look and see, and it would have been more clear and obvious. But I don't think I ever. I might have been able to use those like once or twice when we were doing our practice. Okay. Um, I don't remember them. So, um, I had I'd actually forgotten them until we started talking about it. So, um, but yeah, because I remember I remember having tokens. Because one thing that that I don't have that um, I didn't get in the historique um, deal or the package. Uh, his combo pack, and it was years ago. I don't know if he's added it since then or not. Was like an NCO killed token, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's something he's got, he does have those. Okay, so when I when I bought when I purchased mine, there, that wasn't part of the kit, and that's one that I have a tendency to forget. And sure. so in in practice and those kinds of things, that's an important thing, and I didn't want to be in a situation where I'd forgotten something important like that. So I ended up switching over to it, the token where there was an NCO killed token. So gotcha. Actually, that brings up a good point. As, uh, as as our team captain, maybe it would benefit us to ask them to clarify tokens for the purposes of world championships. Yeah, I mean, nah, it, we got Yeah, while. once we. Yeah, yeah once I mean, we, we have a while, we'll, but yeah. just the idea. Of, That's like, a good, I know, good point. Like I, you know, just from a language barrier perspective, and you know how people you know, competitiveness. Not saying anyone's trying to be nefarious or anything like that but just the idea of being able to have that available and being able to read it without having to try and ask your opponent to know that stuff would be beneficial right i mean yeah you want to create um, you want to create a competitive scenario or oppor- not an opportunity but you want the environment to be as obvious as possible for everyone yep. so that's yep. a good idea I'll and, bring that and up. this and the same for everyone right just having a standard is nice for something like that yeah actually that's but that's that a good point that um, right. they might even have they might even have a standard of here's what we want everyone to use. So. As far as pins go and whatnot. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And, and aside from idea. that, I've got a snafu dice bag. I have snafu dice. I have a snafu dice tray. <laughs> so, yep. I mean, yep. Right. Yeah. 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 We have all the same thing. How come we don't have snafu hats yet? What the hell? 
Because uh, I don't wear a hat. I'm not going to wear a hat. Oh, well, there's that. Maybe a, maybe a stocking cap, like a beanie or something. I could, I could, I could, don't, don't, don't threaten me. I could make it happen. Snafu eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> so when we drink rum and talk like pirates. Is that, yeah. Did you ever order those, did you ever no, order the Snafu face I masks? I haven't ordered the face masks yet. I should still order that. I've, I've been kind of waiting long enough to see like, so like the first time I looked, there was like one manufacturer out there. And like the second time I looked, there were like three. So I was kind of like waiting for like another one to see if another, you know, good manufacturer comes out that you can use to make your own custom things um but i haven't gotten i haven't haven't gone back and looked in a while <laughs> been doing other business related stuff with snafu stuff so um okay well there we go uh as you can see we are pretty vanilla gamers as far as what we put on the table yeah use what works so yep right i'm going to i'm going to give a piece of Advice for newer players that maybe haven't done this before. I don't know, and maybe you guys too. Uh, I, I think it's Stanley makes a tape measure that when you pull it out, it's auto-locked. It stays open until you push the button on the bottom, mm-hmm. which is inverse from most tape measures, which is like pull out and you push the button down and it locks. Oh, yeah. Kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. But but the, the entire bottom of it is like the button. And it is always it always will keep the the measuring where you had it. And so uh, it seems like a stupid little thing, but that is the by far the best tape measure I've ever had for playing games. Yep. Until you set it down to the table too strongly and trigger the button. Well, yeah, but don't throw um, your tape measure. I have a version of that for people in the states. I bought, I believe, at a Lowe's or maybe a Home Depot. Same idea, except the button's up where your normal thumb button is. It's just a depressed button. Oh, nice. Okay, so it's the same same concept where it's always gonna. It's always it, you yeah. Don't. You pull it out, it stays out till you hit that button, and then the button retracts it. Okay, nice. Yeah, super nice. I re- I absolutely agree. If you can find one of those, because they're just amazing to have. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one other thing that I wish um, or that that I liked that I saw, um, but I have never bothered to adopt for myself, was um, when we were still in Warhammer Fantasy days. Um, Pat would sometimes have some of us over to game and he had, I don't know if they were um, embroidery strings or whatever to help mark mark out deployment zones. And then you could just... Oh, that was uh, Mason Line. Mason Line, yeah. So you could just drop it and once it was in place then you didn't have to... Because I just, well, well, here's 12 inches and there's a dice and there's 12 inches over here and there's a dice and then you just kind of eyeball it. I always liked mm. that quick little you know string that you could just drop down and oh, there's my deployment zone and just get on with it so i think yeah. that would be that would yeah. be useful they, as well mason line also at lowe's or home depot or anything like that so. <laughs> we're not a, we're not affiliated or sponsored um <laughs> no we just happen to shop there often all the time every time i have a weekend project i go there like three times so yep it's inevitable <laughs> i just like i i don't even bother like being like thinking while i get there i'm like Oh, I wonder if I'm forgetting anything because I'm just be, I'm going to be back here in an hour. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like right? well, this is my eight o'clock stop. Yeah, I'll be back. Well, it's ten thirty. Right, here we go. The point where the the greeter at the door doesn't even ask you if you can help you find anything; they just wave you through. Right. right. Yeah, they're like it's aisle twelve. And we the guy that's like, there. "Do you need a new heat?" Oh no, I know you don't. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you need new windows? Third time for the day. Like, no, for crying out loud. They're still all right. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's talk about our first tournament update. So. Um, obviously, with COVID and all the stuff that's happened in the last year, have, many tournaments have been canceled. Um, I think weren't we? Is Depticon was like we're supposed to be like right now, wasn't it? Like relatively soon. 
uh, yeah. in the next yeah. couple of weeks, uh, which should have happened. I think it's um, supposed to be next weekend. Yeah. A little bit depressing that we missed two Adepticons in a row, unfortunately, but that's just the reality of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but things are starting to come back. They're starting to see some stuff, and I think we're going to start seeing more and more as the vaccines are flowing. Yep. yep. People are starting to, yeah, start to maybe not completely normal life, but getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the big things that's happened is Bug Eater is back. So Bug Eater is a big event in Nebraska, and they've announced that they're doing Bug Eater this year. And it seems like it's a go. It doesn't seem like they're very – they seem less than cautionary in my opinion. I, I, maybe that's just confidence. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, I think they're still – I mean, they, they do still are required to do a COVID plan. Okay. If, and it has to be – I think it has to be done – at least 30 days before the event. Okay. So they, 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 you know, that's still a requirement. I mean, good, I guess. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's good. Well, and nothing wrong with that. That, that was the, held in a gym. And, you know, we had us in one gym, and on the other side of it was uh, Kings of War or something okay. like that. And there was a basketball court worth of space between us. So I yeah. don't think us being of spaced out there is a problem. Passing 40K. people in the hallway, 40K, on the other hand, mm. probably has to reduce its numbers. Most likely. Well, I think we can wait and see. Um, I think we're optimistic that things might be a little bit better by then. But Yeah, I, I am I am painting as though I'll be able mm-hmm. to go. That's and fabulous. So, I mean, so and it's good. There has to be a first tournament for us at some point. So that, I mean, right. I, yeah. For everyone. I guess at this point, it might as well yeah. be this one. But So... Well, it's, I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it might as well be this one. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'm, you say know, it, I'm just yeah. I'm just not? saying what that we'll hell? all have to we'll all have to figure out what that threshold is for us individually, Very and then true. you know, you know, cross the threshold, and you know, that's yep. part of coming back. Yep, exactly right. So, <clears throat> advantage I have coming up is I I did finally get scheduled for my first vaccine shot. So good, my my, good. Group, my age group opened up and my medical conditions opened up and I got one in. So it was very fortunate. I'll feel good about that. That yep. that yeah, that's a big that's a big step forward to wanting to be out in the world again. Um, so anyway, so there's a new tournament organizer. Um, the previous organizer Josh had stuff come up this year that prevented him from doing it. So I think Rob is his name. Rob. Yep, his name's Rob. Rob Rob took over, and as part of the takeover, they decided to make some changes. I think it used to be a thousand points, kind of thousand points, no two platoon. Bar. Used oh. to be thousand points, two platoons, one can be armored, no special characters. Theater selectors are fine. That's so what, that's basically, what it used to be. basically free for all, to some obviously to some degree. But um, so now it's different. Twelve fifty. Yep. So. Move stepped up in points, which I I, I like. Um, can bring up to two platoons. Both platoons from the same list can't be tank platoons. Same no special characters. Here's the big one: fourteen order dice. So it's a little bit different from how we do ours in that it's sounds like it's you can have fourteen units and no more. Well, you don't. It's not you even can, about dice. You can have fifteen if one of them is one of your free units from like Soviets. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was going there next, but yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, way to. Way to jump the gun, Pat. No, um, <laughs> so I was a little bit thrown off by that. As far as like, well, what if I want to bring fifteen units and just put fourteen order dice in the bag? Like we're playing it like you know. I guess I'm used to the way we do it for Snafu, where you're you can have as many units as you want. You're just getting twelve dice, um, and it's a little bit different. So it's a hard cap on fourteen or fifteen units in your army. Yeah, 
I, what do we think about that? I have, I'm having a tough time with it myself, but. Uh, what do, go, go for it, Pat. Uh, I'm, you know what? The, the list I wrote actually is, has 14 here today, so I guess I'm okay with it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's just There's the first that. list I've got. That's just the first list I've written. Um, I think you're, I think with it being two platoons, you're at least not going to see the same list over and over again. I think when you tell somebody you can only bring X amount of units, you're kind of streamlining to a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of people with very similar lists because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So theater selectors are mm-hmm. allowed, correct? Uh, so it, it says um, units from, it just says uh, campaign books are allowed. So... You can use the theater selectors from there. You can use the units from there. That's how I interpret that. And I haven't so, heard back from them otherwise. Ooh. Yeah, it feels oh, man, like I, no restrictions so, here. So my M2 for International Harvester has made it back. So my oh, Romanians bring, get... Bring the M2-3 International Harvester where it's just a combine. I, I want... <laughs> <laughs> just that, would, that would go really well in Nebraska. It yeah, would. That would, it would actually, actually, yeah. You yeah. paint it red and you've got favorite <laughs> army. <laughs> I'm wondering how that plays. I actually need to like sit down and look at that then, because the Romanians in the in the Budapest book, uh, they get lots of free dice, right? You can bring as I mean, you get at least two or three free dice. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. I know you just said it, but like my brain was processing it slow. You can bring fourteen adder dice, and then in addition, whatever free order dice your army list grants you. Right, yes. correct. Yes. You can bring so you could have dice, 16, yeah. 17, 18 order dice in that bucket. If yes. you get free, if you get that many free units, yes. If you're playing inexperienced French and you get two, what, free, units. two free units, and yeah, plus Western, free artillery. Western, yeah. Western des- Desert British where you get uh, both the Indian Army and the, and the Artillery Observer too. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not certain that that's been as well thought out as you might think. I think... You know, his examples have always been, like, the Free Soviet Squad, which is the obvious, like, that's the most likely and most obvious. But, yeah, like, the the French can pile in some extra free dice. Two. Two? You get three, because yeah, you get the artillery piece, right? Where's the third? Where You get two. Two. What's You only get one free inexperienced squad? If you're doing the inexperienced spam, can't you get more than that? Mm. No. Uh, no, no, it's just one. Per army list. Oh, and it's in per fact, army list. Okay. If yeah. you if you read the FAQ, it says one, basically it says one freebie per per army. Yeah, we just had a question about this in the Discord. How does as well, how actually. does that how does that work with like the Romanian rule where for every for every three units I get a free one? I think that would that would qualify. Well, that's true. You get one. You only get one. Unless it you can take six in an in, in an infantry. Oh, platoon. well, that that. So. I'm going to flip the table then because that's not what my Romanian list was going to be. So, bummer. Because it <laughs> I'd says have to, I'd have to read the rule again, right? Because the fact the fact might I'll overrule it, but the way the Budapest book read was for every three of these units, you get an additional unit, and they included in it the an additional infantry slot to basically allow you to get two. Then I think you would get two. I mean, so if you, it's I, it's usually one to it's usually up to five in a reinforced platoon. Um, two right. are compulsory. So you would be able to take an additional three. And if you get a free one for every three and the Hungarian selector makes you well, take up to six. Romanian, but yes. I'm sorry, the Romanian. Yes. I'm sorry, I'm thinking the Hungarian still. Um, if it's the Romanian side and the selector allows you to take up to six infantry selections, I think that would give you two. 
That would make sense, but that's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shrug my shoulders. So I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, that's why you can you know follow up with the TO to find mm-hmm. out exactly how he wants yep. to handle well, that. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Chad first and see if you can find it in the fact. I had it. In the well, I think I think part of the fact also says that the don't doesn't the special rules overrule um, special rules of the theater selector overrule that of yeah um, watch majigger mm-hmm. probably says that <laughs> oh too. yes okay perfect uh, anyway this opened a can of worms that we weren't expecting to get into for bug eater say so, does the free units take <coughs> up a force selector rule or does the british player with two reinforced platoon field three three artillery are observers uh, free units are in addition to the selectors in each case it's plus one per army not per platoon so i think your situation is still a single platoon right I mean, I can make it double platoon. Uh, maybe during the break, I'll go to Budapest and we can read it, pick yeah. it up on the other side. <laughs> All right. Well, so that's that's Bug Eater. It's uh, beginning of June. Whatever school lets out is basically like the weekend after that. It's, mm-hmm. it's like right away after school because the tournament is held inside of a school, and I think they're just they do it at the beginning of the school at the end of the school year because they still have custodians in the building and stuff and it's still not like they're not doing any high high level maintenance work yet so it it works out great it's for a good cause i think it benefits their the school's um debate, debate, debate club yeah yep. so it's it which is great i think it's a good thing they you know they have a plenty of hardware on the wall as far as i can tell it looks like they do pretty well for themselves so that's that's really cool so all right so next thing uh tournament related as well Warlord is working on supported play. Um, I They've think we almost got it done. I, They're so close. I think they have a ways to go still in a sense that, like, uh, it's, you know, they're just word docs at this point. So, that, you know, creating PDFs takes a little while. So they are, <laughs> you're right. I think they're really close. However, the the last hurdle is kind of big sometimes. From the sounds of it, it sounds like For, it's pretty formatting. big. Formatting? Yeah. Getting it Select, in, selecting a font type? Polishing it, yeah. Is usually can be a big deal. Um, yeah, making making something ready for prime time while it it can be just selecting a font type and mm-hmm. formatting it and and making sure that you know it looks as good as it can can actually they, be one of the things that takes a significant amount of time. So well, no, they have sure. they have all the words they want there. And they're, yeah. they're they're British, so there's extra <laughs> extra. Vowels and, U's and vowels and Z's. And the British words actually. are fine. Yeah. Well, it, the main the main rule book is British, so I suppose it would make sense that they kept the same language. So to speak, I imagine they it. would say it's English. <laughs> they don't. They <laughs> would argue probably. their English was first, but <laughs> uh, actually, I did in fact get that message from Paul this afternoon. So <laughs> is that theirs, theirs, theirs was first? That's great. Good. Uh, he called it. He called ours foreign. <laughs> well then, yeah, that they would think that, wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> let's not try and yeah. Let's not try and Jesus. get down that line. So I mean, that. it's there's yeah. there's there's some there's some stuff there, it, and it feels like it's closer than they're working on it. And it's yeah, it's good. I'm very happy to see that they're moving forward with it and that it's actually getting some traction. Um, so let's let's go through some of this stuff. So if you need this for any reason, I think it, it, I don't know if they're, it's ready for prime time yet. I don't know if they're going to send it out yet. However, if you need support for a tournament that you're trying to run in your stuff, you can contact them at tournaments at warlord.games.com. Don't right? forget that S. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's tournaments. However, they should just make it tournament as well, but that's a different story. Um, 
So anyway, we saw three packets. We saw three different things that they're talking about. So there's 12 scenarios. I think we've talked about those pretty well already. I don't think they saw any big changes there um, as far as which scenarios are included. I think that's huge. That's, that's great. That's a great place to start for, you know, a tournament. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that any of this other stuff has really changed, Pat. I don't know if you have, like, what's changed in here or not, but, you know. Uh, I think they've, they've finalized the, what the prize levels are. Oh, sure. So they're giving you better... Yep. Like a better idea of what you'd get if you're you run into silver versus a bronze. So, yep. so prize support. Um, they, it looks like the re minimum requirements is three rounds with two hours each and then a 750 points. Yeah, minimum. Which, which takes out recon rumble because we're less than two hours. No. Oh, we should just make it two hours. Whatever. Operation Snafu doesn't qualify for any of these. So, Probably. actually, it does. It, it it will qualify for silver. Oh, I, no, because we don't do Swiss pairing. That doesn't matter. It does according to the rules. No, well, I guarantee we'll still get the support for it. Yes, we will. Of course, <laughs> I'm just saying we'll get sponsored. Again, again there may this, be... this is not this. This it's uh, a guideline. It's not. So, a, yes, it's, this is not a, a uh, meant more like for, guidelines. More it's like not guideline. meant for us. This is more for <laughs> people who are like, hey, I would like to run a tournament. I don't really know how to do that. I've been to some tournaments. I've seen things done. How do I learn more? Sure. How how am I able to do this more? This is what that's really geared for. Okay, right. So it lays out what and how, what your different roles are. Uh, the other keys that they want to see in here is uh, do. All right, let's let's get the support first. So the silver, yeah, yeah. twenty four players. Uh, they'll give you a wooden spoon prize, which is basically it's an, it's an inflatable gun shell. I think. I think that's still okay. what it is. Is that what it still is? Okay. Yeah. Uh, limited edition Fubar dice. I don't know if that's going to be their silver dice, if you get like three of them or whatever their order dice are. I'm not, I don't remember exactly what that ends up being. Okay. Uh, and then there's $200 worth of vouchers for prize support. Okay, so they're like gift certificates now. They don't yep. give out actual stuff. Okay. Right. Hey. Uh, and the bronze is a minimum of 10 players. Uh, same point in turns. I mean, you minimum, so you can do more. And then mm -hmm. it's uh, the same as the silver, except for the, the bronze dice, I'm guessing, and then the 100, 100 bucks, 100 pounds or dollars or whichever denomination you currently use. Okay. Or is, the equivalents thereof. Is that, um, maybe this is greedy of me, uh, is that their cost or our cost? Like retail? Or you know retail, I believe. Yeah, it probably makes sense. Oh, I guess if it's gift certificates, it's not. Yeah. They're not, they're not giving you a pile of sprues. Although they used to give out piles of sprues, mm -hmm. they did. Still doing mm -hmm. that? We'll have to talk to John. Okay, um, I, I I love that they're you know formalizing what their pride support looks like. I think it's nice to know in advance what you think you're gonna you know be able to get. Mm -hmm. So you know, and you're not seeing someone you know get a pile of shit and you don't get anything. So you know, it's good. Um, I think, and then they're also wanting to quant. You want you to quantify your tournaments a little bit, like what the play style is. Is it relaxed? Is it more for you know for newer players or stuff like that? Is it very formal, where hey, you know these are the guidelines, is what you're going to do, or is it a premiere, which is like you can take armies X of, and you you better be a damn good. You better have played more than four games of bolt action if you think you're going to do well at this and enjoy it. So they want it. Again, open up. You know, the, you know, it's a relaxed tournament. So, hey, you know, new players come in, have your first tournament here. Or you've only been one other one. That, that's I think what they're kind of trying to go for it. And the same thing. They also want you to define your competition style, whether it's just simply basic or if it's it, you're more of an advanced player mm -hmm. at that stage. I like that. 
I mean, it's yeah. good to let people know what to expect if they're coming to your tournament. Right. Yeah. That's right. good. And even if, yeah, even if Warlord didn't do that, you should do that anyway. Just you so should do that anyway. That. And sometimes you can gather that from how they're doing their, you know, how what their points are and theater selectors and all that kind of stuff, what they're expecting. But it's that's good. Um, I I don't necessarily 100% agree with playstyle and competition style, but like because I kind of feel like they overlap in some circumstances personally. But oh, and they're also uh, I think I think I might have not given this to you guys, but they're also giving you uh, some guidelines on how to remove a dickhead from your tournament. Yeah, that's the third packet we saw was the yeah. you know the referee guide, which yep. again is for a new TO that's an incredibly useful thing to have. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would approach the situation, yep. the word, the, the kind of the words, and how to control the situation, and bring it back to what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. That's super handy to have for someone that maybe, you know, maybe has to deal with someone that's a little bit more aggressive than they are. That's yep. it's, good. Yeah, it, it's actually it's great because it's not, it's it's an not a nightmare scenario, but it's a scenario that you dread. Um, and it would, yeah, it would, having some guidance in that regard is, I mean, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to recall of all the tournaments that we've been to, if if I've ever seen someone asked to leave and not come back, and I don't think I recall that ever happening. So, I, I can't. Uh, uh, Warhammer, I, Warhammer, a guy that tore the bathroom stall apart. I don't think I was at that one, and oh. I don't think he was asked to leave. Actually, no, he was not asked to leave. I think I, that was more of a. Um, like a whole that was drunken just, episode. Yeah, drunken buffoonery than it was anything else. Right. Um, but, I mean, now now you guys have been to a number of other tournaments that I haven't in regards to, like, uh, Adepticon. And, I mean, I know that War Machine sometimes has a little bit of a reputation for being, like, um, on the competitive, on the cutting competitive edge and things like that. So, I mean, <laughs> and I didn't play Magic competitive for very long, so. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and that's not very common for people to get asked to leave unless they right. I mean, And so the is a tournament, a, a new TO hearing that, um, I, I mean, it's not to, like, to scare you off or anything, because I don't, it's not a, it's certainly not a common scenario. No. Uh, and the beauty of this packet is that some of the stuff that would cause some of those rifts, you know, like, you know, how you build your list and all that stuff, sometimes, you know, some of that stuff maybe is more of a cause of it than something that actually happens at the table. Um, so it's nice to have that in your pocket too. You basically have already got some of that TO stuff out of the way up front. You just, you're not going to get you're not going to get the weird list that somebody did some weird shenanigans in or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you won't, maybe you will. But I think overall, I think it's just nice to have that available to you to read and understand with the understanding that hopefully you never have to use it. And I think. Mm-hmm. As far as games go, as far as players, I feel like bolt action players are probably some of the best as far as, you know, being just, you know, good sports and, you know, in it for the right reasons and not being like. Yeah, the number of times I've had my opponent go, oh, hang on, you you forgot to roll for this. Why don't you roll two more dice and see what, you know, like, like, okay, any other turn and be like, oh, good, he forgot about that. Okay, (laughs) you know. You yeah. guys play nicer people than I do, but yeah, I like no. the sentiment. Okay. So what happens when you play at lower tables, Jeff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're playing at the casual. We're playing in the... We're playing in the... The know, casual the, end of the yeah, tournament. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think that uh, the Bolt Action community um, has been really good. and mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. Let's, let's, keep it, let's keep it that way, so... 
let, or let's yeah let's keep working on on making it that way so yep. totally and i think we'll talk about some more of the, the competition and competitive side of bolt action in a little bit too so um i i love that we're doing this i think Worldlord's going down the right path as far as being able to help support tournaments um you know i've we've we've seen other tournaments or other things you know doing this when i started playing warhammer grand tournaments were a thing you know mm -hmm. that was the it is still probably the gold standard i was you know the first time i walked into the first time I, yeah the first time i walked into a grand tournament i was like this is incredible they're like yeah. you know there's like 10 dudes wearing red shirts they got you know judges everywhere they have you know great support i think one of our friends was, uh, was a red shirt or outrider as they were called back then um you know had amazing tables and had an incredible experience and i think that you know i think what warlord's trying to do is get closer to that i know that's a pretty lofty goal but just the idea of having some organized play is a, is a step forward so you, you start with a goal you start with a name you gotta yep. gotta aim at something so. right yep yep Long term, that's a that's a pretty big goal. So hopefully they if get you, there. I'd love if to you see just fire it off without an aim, you, you, you could end up anywhere. So it's true. But you're not wrong. All right. Um, good job, guys. Let's let's take a break. Come back. Um, I can read the music, but I don't know what it is because I can't read it anymore. I really, they're, they're words. They're words. Words are hard. Anyway. You can uh, do it. <laughs> you just I, don't want to say because you never do. I, exactly. It's just tradition. Uh, well, if you say what it is, I'll change it. Yeah, that's why I can't say it. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back in three minutes. Schrodinger, uh, Schrodinger's break music. Jesus. There you go. That's my life. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be back in three minutes. Enjoy the music.
Welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed the music. I did. Tommy Tommy Dorsey. He's a good guy. He can really toot the tutor. Good lord. He can. <laughs> I don't good know what it is. Lord. <laughs> he can blow oh. the horn. Is it, which horn is it though? Is it a trumpet or a yeah, trombone? Is he it's a trombone? A trumpet. It's a trumpet. He's a trumpet player. Okay. Yeah. Well, it. I. I listened to it a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to it. I didn't know. I, the clue sorry. is in the clue is in the trumpet that he's holding. <laughs> oh, I guess I didn't look at the. I didn't look at the image. Yeah, point, but, uh, I did not watch it because it wasn't something. It didn't have actual video. It was just the album cover. So I just kind of with it with put him it on the, the trumpet. What? With him with the trumpet. Uh, it's fine. No worries, man. No. It's been a while since I listened to it because you sent it out a while ago. Anyway, he can really toot it. There you go. <laughs> that one's for you, Jeff. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So, you know, I was a trumpet player, by the way. Oh, I didn't know school, that. So. Okay. Well, yeah. can, you, can you still play? Poorly, you bet. Which, I mean, better than I can play, so there you go. Yeah. I could identify a trumpet in a lineup. Okay, that's a skill. I could pl- I could play the Superman the Superman theme on the trumpet, but that was it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, my friend had a trumpet. I played. Well, I'm not gonna say what I played because it it's super lame. So. Oh come on! Don't did, tease did me like that. Did you play the flute? Um, you play, do you play a piccolo? No, I, I played the clarinet. Oh, there's so nothing wrong with that, dude. dude. Clarinet's a great instrument. I was gonna say I, all I didn't, of them are good instruments. So I didn't I didn't figure out how great an instrument it was because um, I grew up in a really small town in the middle of. Thankfully, not South Dakota like Jeff. Well, um, actually, it wasn't a small. Jeff, you, you you weren't in a small town, were you? No, no. I mean, it's thirteen thousand. Okay, so I was in a small town in Nebraska. It was like three hundred people. Yeah, that's a small town. That's and a small so, town, yeah. um, my so the first time that I heard a clarinet played, where I was like, "Holy crap, that's amazing!" Um, my wife and I were on Broadway, and we went to go see Chicago. And so they got that small little Broadway orchestra, and the, and the clarinet player there blew my freaking mind. And I'm like, yep. but I was 10 or 15 years past playing the clarinet. And, but if if you have a kid that's that's playing an instrument, make sure that they're hearing people, professionals that can play that instrument amazingly well. That will inspire that, them. Anyways, absolutely. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. tangent here. So that's, uh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. So. All right. But there you go. A little more insight into Dale. There. He played the trumpet. No, clarinet. <laughs> Jeff played the trumpet. <laughs> they look <Sorry>. really similar. <laughs> I honestly can't say I know the last time I saw either one of you, so it's been a long time, sadly. <laughs> Getting a little mixed up here. All right. Well, it's so, easy to confuse us because Jeff and I look really similar, too. Yeah, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Oh, I hope Just no one ever says that to you, Dale. Jesus. <laughs> moving on. Moving right along. Um Pat, you reached out before this episode to our Discord listeners. I'm just going to keep pounding the Discord thing because I think it's a wonderful tool. Yeah, if, you, if you're not on there, join us. You know, we've got 80-some people on there. It's we had a mini happy hour before the, the recording yeah, tonight. Yeah. I lot, mean, lots uh, of pictures of beer. Yep. I, that's That was my contribution. I couldn't actually be on the voice channel, so I was busy taking care of children, putting them to yeah, bed. Yeah, and if you, if you ever see one of us on that little hobby voice channel, pop on, say hi. Pop on, say hi. Yeah. yeah. It's, we don't we don't lock it or anything, so it's wide open. And if hey, if you guys want to just chat on there on your own, feel free. Hell, if you're hobbying, you. that's even yeah. awesome. So you're yeah. more awesome. 
All right. So anyway, you reached out for topics to, to cover, and we do have a fair number of newer players that have joined us, which I think is ab- absolutely amazing that, you know, they're getting hooked in. They want to they want to considering look. the year. Holy cow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. For sure. Like it's a great it's it's great that there are new players coming on board and they obviously have lots of questions. Um, and one of the questions that came up was, you know, how do you get ready for your tournament? How is the you know, you've never done this before. How do you go about list building? You know, what is the experience like, you know, for someone that maybe has never done it before? And I think that's, you know, a good good topic to talk about so i think yeah. we're going to tackle what do it. i have to what do i have to worry about what yep what didn't i think of when i was playing with my other four buddies that we started reading the book two months ago you know like, well mm-hmm. and i mean unfortunately you're in a in a predicament too where you don't know what a meta is like if you if you know if you're new to tournaments in general you have no idea what a meta maybe even is but on top of that what does the meta look like in an overall like tournament situation I've been playing for years, and I'm still not sure I know what the meta is. What What is meta? Anyway. Right? Um, <laughs> so, so here's our breakdown of some... I think this is a great opportunity for us to break down what tournament play looks like. Um, well, our those, take on tournament play. Uh, so. uh, yeah, our take. I guess that's a good point. Is, We're certainly you know, not an authority on it. <laughs> <laughs> so the caveat being is that we are in the Midwest. We live in Minnesota. We travel to Chicago. We've traveled to Nebraska. You know, our our range is kind of the Midwest in general. I don't think we have a good experience of going to LVO or any of the other big other tournaments. There's, we don't go to Gen Con in Indianapolis or any of the other big, big tournaments. Um, there are infrequent tournaments in the Twin Cities, I'd say, as of, like, not anymore. Obviously, this last year has been kind of a dud. But, you know, up to that, I think last year there were several, you know, small tournaments i'd say 10 to 12 people typically mm-hmm. yep and then you know we'd go to adepticon which is what 50 to 100 35 yeah. to 50 oh it's only 35 to 50 okay uh, last year was supposed to be uh, i think there's still like 40 some signed up okay but i think i think 50 is kind of the target range for sure. that and and i think bug eaters, it's not it's not a con con no where they get 100 people well, or CanCon or whatever they're, it is. they're competing against their own stuff too right so, or against other game systems you know Right. There's Warhammer and War Machine and all sorts of other stuff to play. So you know, some people would rather play 40k, which silly games. Yeah, yeah. You know, weird universe games. Hey, all right. I, so I that's just like kind of a background of where we are. Stuff. So, um, I don't know that I have any great advice because I'm horrible at tournaments. I tend to drink too much, and then you know. Show sleep up on the couch. You sleep on the sleep. Get pushed and sleep on the floor. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. I you, think that's my I favorite think, part of the tournament. <laughs> I think this works out really well because there are a lot of reasons to go to a tournament, and yeah. and doing yep. well um, competitively at the tournament isn't necessarily the reason why you go to your first tournament. So. No, absolutely not. I don't think it is. I mean, obviously, the idea of a tournament is, you know, to be competitive and want to play and try and win games. Like, yeah, they keep score. Goal. They definitely they keep, keep score. score. Yep. yep. So you want to you want to try and do good. I understand or do well. I guess is probably a better way of saying that. Um, you know, you want to do that, but you're right. You want to do as of, well as you can. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of what you're learning or what you're doing when you go to a tournament, and I think this is, you know, why I go to tournaments in general, is the community. Right. You're getting to meet other players that play the same game as you and you get to hang out with them which I think is really nice yeah it's awesome 
Well, you get to meet, you get to make new friends, and then you get those people that you know your your tournament friends that you go to the same ones every every year, and you you see the same people like, hey man, how you been doing this year? You know, it's it's actually kind of interesting. Yep. yep. People whom you would not uh, ordinarily meet in your normal life, you can meet at a bolt action table. Hundred percent. So. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. <clears throat> yep. So uh, I guess the question is, you know. Uh, what can you expect going to your first tournament? Uh, you can expect that you probably won't win it. <laughs> I mean, unless you're really good. Unless you're really good, you know. But, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do the same thing. Yeah. So I mean, probably won't win place or show. Typically, um, typically only one person wins the tournament, and yeah. um, and so you know. Right off the bat, that's it's going to be tough. And if it's your first tournament, then you might find yourself even a higher uphill battle. That's not to say that it, you're, it's not possible, because absolutely it's possible. But you know, it's just make sure that your expectations are, um, you know, realistic. So, mm-hmm. and and not winning is okay. Um, the only reason why, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always okay, especially if you really want to win. It's 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 still all right. So, yeah. I think we don't have to like necessarily go into the sports. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't. Because no. I mean, we all know that you just have to be a gracious loser, and sometimes you lose. And in a tournament setting, oftentimes there are some very good players, and sometimes you run into them. I think the important thing to learn as a newer player is that when you run into one of those really good players, you know, take note of the things that they did differently that you you know maybe got caught by, you know. And I, and I, I'll take that one step further, Rick, and I would say literally take note and after mm-hmm. you get done with your game sit down for five ten minutes and write literally physically write down kind of your thoughts and what happened that game because it's going to be a packed day because for yep. sure it's a day one and it's like a, a two-day tournament you're going to have three games and that third game is going to be exhausting yeah that's that's another thing uh new players i'm going to give you some you know life advice here sit down <laughs> during well, the sit during the game and wear good shoes don't drink wear water Drink water. Drink water. But eat a banana if you can eat a banana. <laughs> That's what yep. you could call, actually. But, you know, wear your wear your running shoes. Don't wear your, you know, whatever, you know, uncomfortable, you know. Flip shoes flops. That, yeah, flip-flops for sure. But, like, you know, shoes that you may not find uncomfortable but aren't necessarily the shoe you'd want to be wearing for 10 hours. Don't, don't wear brand-new shoes. No, yeah, wear your broken-in shoes. But definitely wear your athletic shoes if you can. If you can. Um, I've even seen guys bring, like, Fatigue mats? Fatigue mats to the table and stand up. <laughs> an- anti-fatigue mats, I yeah, guess, yeah. is a better yeah. word of yeah. saying that. Like big you rubber. don't need your help getting exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I throw one more in there. The number of tournaments I've ever been to where I've been playing, standing at a table playing and I've been cold is basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. Assume it's going to be hot as hell and humid wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shorts, shorts even in the middle of winter seem to be the most appropriate attire for a, yeah. for a tournament because they do get hot for sure. Yep. Yeah, between the temperature and the number of people, and just your just your nerves elevating your body temperature, you're, you'll be yep. you'll be plenty warm. Yep. Good call. Um, so now let's start talking about building for a tournament. I think this is tricky because, again, depending on where you are and what your meta looks like. Um, for those that don't understand what a meta is, we're gonna just just as a definition. We should we, should, we could define that. Yeah, yeah, let's define that. So a meta is a is a typical build for an area, right? So like the most common. I mean, maybe I'm doing a bad job of defining this. Is probably the most common way the game is played for that particular area, or 
played in a tournament setting, right? So European metas are often, I would say, often feel like they're, I would call order dice spam, you know, lots more small units, but trying to get a large number of order dice in the in the bag. And I think a lot of the American lists that I like the U.S. version of the tournaments, I've seen a lot lower dice, but more of like a what Dale will call a combined arms list, and more balanced, a much more balanced list. Not trying to do any one thing better than I guess I don't I don't know what the difference as far as like their play style, but I just know that we tend to have less dice, but we're tending to have larger units and probably a little bit more support in general. Anyone? That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, I would also yeah. say it's very common to have at least one tank or armored vehicle in, in our list. And not necessarily 100% common in, in what I've seen of the European lists. Mm-hmm. Also, the meta can refer to um, something as uh, simple as the number of pieces of terrain on the table. That's a good call. Um, That's part of your metas would be right. the terrain that you see. Yeah. Um, which could impact. Um, and so so typically um, a region's meta or a meta that you're participating in is are, are the things that you're likely to encounter that will impact the choices that you make in your list. And so, um, and a lot of that comes down to how, how the game is played in your area, the terrain that's on the board, um, you know, who the best players in the area are and the lists that they favor can swing the meta. In, yep. in a really interesting way. And so, um, and that's something that could be really difficult as a new player to suss out. Um, but, you, you know, if you have friends that are playing or, you know, the TO and, and, and things like that, um, then, you know, you, you do your best to kind of work out what your region looks like in that regard. So, Yeah, I mean, you can always, I would hope someone in your region would be able to help you understand that. So if you reach out to them and be like, you know, what is favored? Um, you probably can get a good idea. I think even having someone that maybe is in your area help you build your first list for a tournament isn't a bad idea. Um, I've, I've seen it done. You know, we have some players here that have helped other players get into the game and have literally built lists for their, their you know, essentially what is their opponent in a tournament, you know, because they're playing in the same tournament. He's like, you know, our friend John has written lists for other people and helped them you know, understand why they would build it that way, which I think is really handy to have like a mentor as, as, to help you understand the game better. And not Absolutely. and not to overwhelm you and make you feel like, oh crap, now not, do I have to understand what these units are and how the game is played, now I have to go out and find out what, what I'm going to face. Right. Uh, that being said, put in units that you've played and are most comfortable with and most familiar with too. That's yep. that, that. There's something to be said about having the and, understanding and, and reliability of a list. Don't yeah. put an MMG team in there. Why not? Just put three of them in there. Jesus, <laughs> do what do what you oh. want to do. I, okay, go with what you're familiar with, what you what you've played, because uh, that's you can have the most ideal unit in the game, but if you aren't familiar with how it works, it's not going to help you. Correct. Well, you're not wrong. That's uh, so we haven't we haven't really um, broken it down into um, why you what you're um, what you're trying to accomplish by going to the tournament, and so. Um, so, for example, if you're just trying to take the most historically accurate list and it's based off of a bunch of MMGs, then that would be a reason why you would have a bunch of MMG teams. Or if it's the best painted, what you're going for in your first tournament is just to have a beautiful army and your MMG teams are really beautifully painted, then that would be a good reason 
to take MMG teams. <laughs> so we're kind of approaching this from a standpoint of, you know, by talking about the meta and optimal unit or, or better unit choices or why, why, why taking units that you're familiar with is really valuable. We're talking, we're, we're approaching it from a gameplay standpoint as far as what the performance of, of each of the individual units will be as you're playing. So, you know, don't, don't say, well, I really like my MMG teams and Pat said that I shouldn't ever take them. That's why I mean, we're just approaching it from that standpoint. So, from, yeah, that's a good call. Right. Cause quite honestly, you can bring whatever you feel, like Pat said, bring what you feel comfortable with. And sometimes you're not always there to, you know, especially your first tournament. We've already explained you're probably not going to win. So bringing a suboptimal list is probably okay. I mean, it, I've gone to tournaments and gone 0 and 5 and been like, oh, that was fun. Um, maybe a little bit <laughs> less fun, but um, it's okay. It's not a big deal. You're not like you know if you're five and zero oh and you're at the top of the table, it's fine. But if you're you know two and three, what's the difference between two and three and zero and five? You're not you're not probably going to be on the podium either way. I mean, get respect. <laughs> I don't I don't have, I don't have any self respect. Come on, that's oh, just Jesus. overrated. Yeah. <laughs> Dignity and respect are long, long gone. It's fine. <laughs> um, all right. So let's I, weighing the value of unit choices was something that they brought up. And yeah, I think that's it's a, important. It's important, but I think it's difficult to answer. All of these are difficult to answer without knowing more about like your particular scene. But what you can do is look at the units that like understanding your unit choices is still important. So I don't know how you weigh these personally, because I'm not very good at this. But Jeff, Jeff, how would you do this? Let's just kick the can around the table until we all decide we well, can't. Well, here do I'll it. start. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll do one until thing. Until we all decide we can't answer. Yeah. I'll do one thing. Yeah, I'll do one thing. I'll start. Um, so, um, one of the first things that um, uh, one of the first pieces of information that I'm looking for in order to help me build a list is: Do I know what the scenarios are going to be at the tournament? Yep. And so, if those are available, then that can help me determine whether or not. I might be interested in transports or defensive units or advancing units or do I need to reach out and touch something from all the way across the, the board. So um, the scenario scenarios you're going to be playing at the tournament can help you decide um, where the value in your unit choices lie. And just a, just a quick side note that when they do get that uh, supported play out, there are 12 scenarios that you can certainly freely review and get a good idea that those are probably, uh, if not one of, if not some of them, are very, very similar to what's in there. Yeah. Yep. So, because not all tournaments reveal their their scenarios before the day of. Yeah. So. so, in that vein, the idea of like if you don't know the scenarios, like reviewing the scenarios in the book is a good way of understanding like. I need units that can capture objectives. I need units that can move across the table. I need, you know, you could go down the list of the different things, you criteria you need to meet the scenarios. And I think two of those two are basically the biggest ones is I need my units to move and I, I need things that capture objectives. Yep. Those are the two things you absolutely have to have. And having unit choices that support that are valuable. So when you make sure you're, you have units that can do that, right? So don't bring all minimum sized units that can, you know, that'll get wiped off the table. I guess maybe veteran units would be able to do that. But some, you know, don't bring all five man inexperienced squads and expect to hold objectives very well. Right. 
Or not bleed order dice quickly, which is generally one of the win conditions oh, that, in many that, scenarios. Yeah, good, good point. That is actually another another yep. uh, objective that you need to do is to not lose a bunch of order dice, typically. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on the scenario. But that's a lot of scenarios have that built into it as well. Like, losing order dice is bad. So you don't want to lose as many as, as your opponent. Check. So as long as, as long as you're kind of like, you have to weigh every decision based on that. So, you know... Um, Right, so here's an example of, of order dice. If, or, if order dice are important in determining winning condition of the scenario, then you might be interested from a defensive standpoint of having units that are, are more difficult to remove easily. So veteran units might have greater value than they typically would. Mm-hmm. Um, large, units, large units. In addition to that, offensively, you might find higher values in units that can easily remove order dice, whether that's big template weapons or a sniper used effectively can can take off those types of things so you know those are all kinds of ways that you can determine what will give you or return good value when building your armies for your tournaments from a scenario standpoint yep but i I think that's an important when you're building your list you have to build those you know build to those scenarios and that's uh, that again influences your choices Mm -hmm. you are not going to want to like um trying to think of good examples you you know inexperience inexperienced transports probably not a great idea like you know what it's probably not a great idea in general but you know um but it, but it can be in certain circumstances it, it, and it very well could i'm not thinking i can't think of a great way that it would work in any of the three you know winning conditions that we just brought up but you know, but maybe that's where you weigh the idea of not bringing that transport at all and putting that those you know that 20 points into something else that maybe is more beneficial to you as a player mm-hmm. so it's it is making sure that your list is built to tackle the objectives of scenarios and i think yep again you may not have this scenarios in front of you a lot of times when tournaments don't have the scenarios pre the weekend or pre day or pre game day um it's usually ones out of the book I would say most of the time it is. I think sometimes you'll see some. I think I think the twelve scenarios you see in the Warlord pack that'll be coming out in the near future are probably a great place to build all your lists around those twelve scenarios. I, yes, I think they do a good job of covering all of the all the different ways you can win a game. Yep. Um, to throw another wrench in that, building an offensive and a defensive list is very like uh, playing in a attacker defender scenario is. A different beast in itself yeah so yeah having i and this is something that we were working on when we were working our way up to the world championships or the world team championships is having a plan for like what units you're going to put out during uh i'm trying to think which scenario it is uh no man's land is that one where you're stuck in the middle manhunt uh, no, it's not manhunt I, I don't recall but there's there's certainly a book scenario where you start with units in the middle of the board yep so. And, then, and then you're basically, you know, you're stuck in the middle and you have reserves coming on later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, knowing which units you'd want to put out versus which units you want to hold back and, you know, having an idea for all of that stuff is, is especially as a new player, it might be good to have that plan in your head before you even get to the table. Just as a, one, it saves <laughs> you time. Two, you, yeah. you have a, you've built yourself a battle plan. You've already considered, you know, those scenarios. Um it's worthwhile just to have thought about it a little bit because those will throw you for a loop if you've never seen them being familiar with them and then being like oh like not knowing and being like oh shit like what am i doing this is completely abstract from a normal 
first wave scenario as far as being able to deploy. So. Yep. Um, any other any other input as far as weighing the value of unit choices in this? Have an idea of what you want units to do when you bring them in a list. Okay. Yep. Right. Don't bring. When you're playing casual with your friends, if you want to bring something because it looks cool, that's awesome. You should do that. When you're going to a tournament, because it looks cool, probably isn't a good reason to put it in your list. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'll give a perfect example of this because I just got caught doing this, and I, I should have gotten my hand slapped for it, and I, and I felt like an idiot doing it. I built a list. Uh, Americans had units of engineers in it, um, so I think seven-man squads, seven-man vet squads, and they each had flamethrowers in them. I put two BARs in each unit. And you're like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Because now think about what I want that unit to do. So you the want, it. Yeah. I want it up and close and personal. I want that flamethrower starting shit on fire. I don't want to sit back with BARs and 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 wait, wait out. A, you know, I'm not doing a firefight here. I'm trying to get up there and actually, you know get in their face so smgs are a much better choice mm -hmm. in that circumstance um so things like that where you're trying to make sure that you understand what that unit's good for and then not giving you things that are un not valuable for it uh another which, go ahead sorry i'm going to jump in which is super weird i stayed out of that conversation i absolutely put a bar in my engineer list with flamethrowers every time <laughs> there, it's because probably it's, not a great example because they are cheap and they do have the move and shoot, which is nice. Yeah, in an American list, move and shoot is massive, and you're not always going to be in range of that flamethrower. Kate. You're going to be standing around holding your dick the rest of the time. I mean, <laughs> give, give the unit some ability to affect the table. Well, and especially when you're six inches, and when you're seven, and when you're a seven man squad, it's nice to have those additional two shots. That yep. was my my thinking behind it. Maybe a better example is putting an LMG in a flamethrower engineer. Squad. That is not a good idea. Don't do it. Right. Like, well, that's, I don't think you can. And so uh, here, Americans, Germans can, I think. Some yeah, Germans the Americans can. can. I, think, I don't think the Americans can, but the Germans can. So yeah. I think there's only one unit that gets an LMG in the American list. Couple, yeah, maybe a couple, but it doesn't matter. It's not many. And so, and it's not many. And here's just a little tail end of that um, for for me to add in regards to to Rick's specific scenario. Um, when when we're approaching um, Rick's list, um, what what I was really trying to do is, is to help him focus and have individual roles for individual units so that he, he didn't get caught in any kind of analysis paralysis in regards to, um, well, shoot, what's the best option here? Because then, mm -hmm. then you can kind of fall into a couple of mental traps and that kind of thing, which also goes into the point that he's making of, you know, think about all this stuff ahead of time so that you kind of have a battle plan. Because the more you know in advance of what you're going to do, then the more time you give yourself to um, adjust and shift that battle plan based off of what's going on in the individual game. And so um, by making the choices with Rick's list that he does, then there is, he knows what he wants to do with that and he's more likely to be aggressive with the unit that he wants to be aggressive with or, or defensive with the unit that he wants to be defensive with. So there can be value in both ways. It comes down to your particular style of play sometimes and that can take a while to find out that might not necessarily be um, brand new to a tournament. And yeah, well, absolutely. that's at yeah. least your second yeah. army in bolt action before sure. you start figuring out how you actually want right. to play the game. Well, there's there's also the, the NASA approach, which is just double all the same stuff. Just be redundant yeah. everywhere? Yeah, why, yeah. built in redundancy. Why have one when you can have two for twice the price? Well, yeah. Exactly. Why mm -hmm. have one when you can have five flamethrowers? What? 
know, something like that. <laughs> right, and I, I, sh- I should enter my thought here that anything I'm telling you strategy-wise in these things, take with a grain of salt because I'm very much a generalist player. Like, I, I don't believe in over-focusing units for p- specific purposes. And I also <clears throat> will generally claim not to suffer from analysis paralysis. I play very fast. Yeah, you like, do. I, you finish games like like half the time most of us do. Yeah, I, I know what I'm going to do, and I, I make decisions quickly and go with it. And, and, and so, but that's my play style, that, and that's not for everybody. Some people really like to play chess and like to think things through and run the odds and the consequences if they mess up something, and I well, uh, tend to just go for it. So Yeah, I like how you preface a lot of your moves. Well, this probably isn't a good idea, but let's try this. Yeah. <laughs> well, particularly when I'm learning things, I'll absolutely do that. All right, well, so, right, yeah. so let's go into, let's take it to that, to, let's take it to that space then. Um, um, as a, if you have a particular style of play, then you might find um, higher value in some unit choices that other people mm-hmm. won't. So, for example, if if you like to take chances, then you may find higher value in a double warfare or a multi launcher than mm-hmm. someone who who isn't interested in falling to the whims of the dice, where they Correct. might want something that is a hundred percent or as close to a hundred percent consistent as as you can get. And so, again, that goes into, or that could go into, like, the play style, like, like you're talking about, Jeff, so. Yep, absolutely. And generally, I, I, another thing I think in, along that same line is, in a choice between a six-man unit with a flamethrower and a 12-man unit with rifles and a BAR, I'll take the 12-man unit every day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but if you're an aggressive player who wants to get across the, the field... Door. Then yeah. you you might you might favor small units of of veteran engineers with flamethrowers that can yep. move from patch of cover to cover to cover, and and get across there and have some over overlapping lanes of fire and just light the world on fire. So yep, absolutely. So I was I was looking back at a couple of lists I had made and I looked back at that thirty core list I'd made and the 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 goal of that was I had four two inch he templates in the list. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that that gave me a good, you know, the, the NASA redundancies, um, but it also gave me four options for a good area, as opposed to you know usually in single platoons you can get two, three if your tank is if your tank slots using like a howitzer or something. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. So here's another thing. Um, as as a new player and. I wouldn't say most, but a fair number of new players, the struggle that I see um, is um, fully painted armies or or reaching to the point where their army is completely painted. And I don't necessarily mean to a standard that they're happy with, but just reaching that tournament level standard. Um, because color. Right. Or, you know, to the, in, the idea is that, you know, you're going to your first tournament. Everyone, each one of the new players I've ever encountered is they're working, they're working hard to put their best foot forward they want to participate they want to have an army that they can put on the table that they're proud of you know and, and, and those kinds of things typically and so in that kind of scenario um you know that unit that mmg team that is painted it could be more valuable than the light mortar that isn't painted if it's the night before the tournament <laughs> well you know? it's, it's whether or not painting the painting the models is more valuable than getting an extra couple hours of sleep Right, uh, and so sometimes sleep is better. You know, there, there's. We say that sometimes, right. sometimes, sometimes you you take 
or or you know or that new unit that you that you ordered didn't come as quickly as you thought it would and you didn't have yeah. time to finish it yep. um and so um I, I i guess i guess i'd rather i'd rather play against a fully painted army personally I, I, I would pay I would play whoever was in front of me um, but if all things were equal all other things were equal I would always che- I would always prefer to play against a fully painted army um, than one that wasn't I, and I think a lot of tournaments have that requirement I mean not all of them do you should always check if you're going to have a non-painted mm-hmm. army that, that, that they're, you're going to be allowed to play with non-painted models mm-hmm. it's just the reality of it um, yeah, I would agree 100% I think that's important um, in that circumstance, I think if you have a fully painted armory but you don't have extra stuff to play around with, just understanding and knowing what your units are meant to do is important, right? Yeah. So if if you can't make optimal choices necessarily, but you have stuff that you can use, you know, to Pat's point, during a tournament, write down what they, you know, what, what those units are doing well and what they don't do well and you know, just understanding that part of it is, is a big step forward as far as, you know, getting better tournament play, too. Oh, and always nominate your, one of your units as an MVP, even if you got almost wiped. <laughs> Why? So it, they can shoot it? Well, no, you, you want no, that no. story you, coming out oh, of... Oh, for sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, good call, actually. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's the it, best part of a tournament, right, is the war stories afterwards <laughs> with your buddies? Yep, absolutely. That's, Remember that, you know, like, I was getting creamed, but then... I had this that happened this and that you know I felt pretty good about that and that was that you know mm-hmm. cling to that what even if you are uh, having a bad game cling to that one small victory or just remember all your really crappy dice rolls that's what I do and at the end of it you can feel free to throw those dice away I've been known to do that <laughs> end of it <laughs> during like I, I don't wait to the end <laughs> I, I actually think I had a friend ask to not throw dice anymore during a tournament game. <laughs> throw throw dice or throw them away. Uh, he was throwing them across the room into a garbage can. So um, okay, well, both is kind of the way, but I, they did, definitely did have a tournament organizer come up and be like, "Please don't throw any more dice." Yeah, well, yeah walk <laughs> over and politely dispose and, of and them. The, and the beauty of it is, he's the nicest guy I've ever met. That he's just a, he was. It was it, just one of those days. One it was just games. one of those days. He was having it some was really shitty games, dice, yeah. and he was just done with those dice. It was a great. It was pretty funny. I, I thought it was. I saw great humor in the fact that the. The, the most amazing guy I've ever met was <laughs> throwing dice in the garbage. <laughs> uh, anyway, sometimes that's the fate for dice. You know, yep. I, he was he was talking to the rest of the dice and be like, "This is where you're headed if you keep keep it up." <laughs> look at look at what I'm doing to your friends. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Shape up or ship out. Yep. It wasn't so much he was throwing them away; it was just the distance and how far he was throwing the dice that was having a kind of a problem. Um. <laughs> um obviously. If you're going to tournament and you need some help, our Discord's available. Yeah. You can talk to us. Post we have a list. A, Let us know if you want feedback. Yep, exactly. There's a lot of guys. A lot of guys. I don't know if we have any gals there, but there's a lot of people there. Um, who and it's not just us. There, you're getting feedback from a lot of folks. So. Yep, mm-hmm. and some some tournament veterans. It sounds like there's definitely people that have have participated in many tournaments. Mm-hmm. There, they're more than willing to help you with your list building, um, or your hobby stuff. If you if you want. You know, feedback on painting too, because you you know never done that before. You, there's an opportunity for you to do that too. You, you post it there. We'll we'll gladly give you some ideas and some help if you need it. And hey, and one you know one quick shout out here if we can uh, for our Discord channel uh, A70 Zim. Congratulations on your first child, man. Yeah, that's yeah, a huge deal. That's awesome, dude. 
the best mini ever. Yep. <laughs> and it That's wasn't 3D printed. 100 percent true. <laughs> or was yeah. it? I mean, it kind of was. Kinda. Yeah, kinda actually. Let's not get into that. That's weird. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say congratulations and move on, but you guys made it weird. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to make things weird. Sorry. Yeah, that's why we. I'm, I'm good at it. <laughs> All, right. Jesus. All right. Moving on. Anyway, so let's talk about another awkward to- topic here. Right? Is this awkward? I don't know if it's awkward. It's All not right. awkward. It's awkward to me because I was probably the one that said the stupid shit. So. <laughs> no one said anything stupid. <laughs> all right we um, got some feedback and it was good feedback it, it actually was there was some really great stuff in here so we had someone send out an email to us um after our last episode because i the concept of min maxing or net listing or any of that stuff can get a stigma to it and that might bleed through on some of our stuff because i think some of us have some personal feelings about it so i think let's uh let's tackle this so, um and it's bigger than just that. So uh, do we want to just read verbatim some of this stuff, or do we want to just synopsis it? Well, it's, um, I, I think it's best if we try to um, present the feedback as, as clearly as, as we received it so that we're doing it the justice and then, and then respond as best as we can. So, so okay. Um, so I'll start out by saying this is someone that we've had dinner with, has attended a tournaments with us, um, you know, participated in some high-level bolt-action play. So he's, he's, I would say, a well-respected person within the community as far as, you know, having participated. And I believe has won tournaments before as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good player, great guy. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. All uh, like uh, someone we have a ton of respect for. So yep. And and in in the email, he even says, with the utmost respect, uh, uh, he believes we missed the point as far as what Warlord has done in the last FAQ. Um, when any gamers talk about hobby and talk about when it all cost armies, um, so that's often referred to as whack. Um, he's suspicious. He plays competitive wargaming. A tournament is competitive experience, which I would 100% agree with. Anyone who goes to a tournament has a legitimate right to build and play the most competitive list possible. And to scoff at someone who brings a power list to a tournament is like making fun of Tony Stewart for driving a fast car or Tiger Woods for using a pink driver. Um I thought Tony Stewart was the guy in the odd couple. Was I not? Was I out there? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. There's more. There could be more than one Tony Stewart. Okay. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. Uh, I don't know racing, so I'm gonna assume he. he he's. Well, now uh, let's. Correct. What 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 do we define as a, a win at all or a win at any cost player? Uh, so I, and I so think that's me, a good definition. Yeah, good I, definition. I, for me, I think of those people who. At any costs or all costs, I don't. I don't think that's tailored specifically to just their list building. In my mind, it's those people who do gamey stuff during it. That you know, whether it's their own idiosyncrasies or stuff that you know breaks up what your thought process is during a turn. You know, such as you know reminding you of things that are completely irrelevant while you're trying to move or make a decision. Those kind of players, I mean, the kind of player we mentioned who has the six-inch ruler laying on the board somewhere where they're kind of getting a vision coup, that, that's, that to me is a win at any cost. They'll, they'll take that shady gray stuff and push it to their advantage, or they'll do uh, mental games with you during the course of it That's you know just throws you off a little bit. That That's what my personal deficient win at any cost type of player yeah, is. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with you. Somebody bringing a power list is not necessarily a win at all cost. Right. The list is is separate from what I think of a win at all cost player is. I think they are the ones that they're doing 
the gamey, shadowy stuff that you know that they're obviously not there for sportsmen. They're there to win, so that goes to the wayside. And I don't think it's the list that does that. I think it's the person. So yeah, I, very, I very much agree with that. That it's a it's a person and an attitude, not a list, to me. That's a that's a whack player. Mm-hmm. So, so I've um, I've changed over the years <laughs> um, with what with what my approach to this is. Um, I think uh, many years ago, prior to bolt action, a win at any cost player for me what were those players that spent as much time as they could to optimize as much as they possibly could about their list and the tournament rules and those kinds of things. Um, and that even included, you know, um, min-maxing the sportsmanship score to the point where they, um, it, it wasn't performative, but they were cognizant. If they're going, if you're going for overall in a lot of the tournaments, uh, sportsmanship was a component of that. And so you had to make sure that you were playing in a way that was friendly or at least perceived as friendly yep. and those kinds of things. And so buying um, a beer only gets you so far. Yeah. It, and that was weird back in the day, though, too, right? Whereas, like, the competitive players w- understood that you scored everyone a five unless they were total assholes. But mm-hmm. it was mostly, a, like, a, like, I don't know that I would give a five for a game where I got my ass handed to me and my table, you know, the table wiped. But that's, you know, that was almost, like, vindictive. That was, I, I understand what you're saying. And it's... right. I mean, it, but it, it, but that kind of leans into it's not it's not a specific list, but it's more of a, a mentality, and 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 the shady stuff aside, um, I can kind of see where that's at. But again, I, I've I've changed that because now I'm, I'm I guess I've I'm not turning into a lawyer, but I think my approach is becoming more lawyer. When at any cost includes <laughs> that by definition includes cheating. So that would, by definition, for me now, would include someone who would go at any cost, would do at any cost, would cheat. I.e., back in the day, there was um, there was a short period of time in tournaments prior to bolt action again, where there were there was a small group of players, more than one, that ended up we got, ended up calling it chipmunk, chipmunking people on their sportsmanship scores, where it didn't yeah. matter how the game went, you got a zero. Right, because so, you were in a different club. You weren't in their club, so we, they weren't going right. to promote you as and a so player. Yeah. Because they could they could score you on sportsmanship, by, and by depriving you points, they could elevate their own score. And mm-hmm. so that's, mm-hmm. you know, by my own current definition, win at any cost um, is that kind of thing. So um, so for me, win at any cost is, is would probably include cheating at this point in time. And I, so that's will, that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, no, it's a good It's a, I'm going to take it back one level and say it doesn't need to be actual technical cheating but sometimes even just rules as written versus rules as intended can be have consequences in this in this regard like if you're you know okay for instance I'll, I'll take an example that I know happened in a, in a tournament where um, a unit failed to reserve you know it failed its reserve check and they now the, their opponent now knew what side of the table that unit was coming on at and they then line up all of their models to basically blockade that side of the table. Is that whack? To me, that's like I'm I'm depriving my opponent by using the rules. And I think that's a I, I just have a weird sense of like that is in a in a sense to me whack. Like 
you know that that's probably not how they intended it to be played, but you're going to take advantage of all the rules that are written for you. Is that is that whack or is that not? Well, what led to the side being revealed? Did they like reveal their side first and go, oh, i got to make another test and then failed it? Yeah, I, th- I don't exactly know the, the circumstances to why the person well, understood. That's a misplay on their, on their side. Which most well, likely is true. But Well, um, I mean, so basically there was a tournament where the reserve, where um, reserves come in from your opposing player's um, edge. And in order for those to come on, there has to be space for them. And the defending player just lined up units across the, the back line, which meant that there's no, there's no space for, there's no space for the unit to come on from reserve. Right. Which um, is a 100% legal move as far as the rules go. That's but right. it's this weird, I'm depriving my opponent of a good game. I, and I think that maybe that is not whack. But no, that's, that's gamesmanship. But right. Sportsmanship. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's, it's by the rules. It's not cheating, in my opinion. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a sporting <laughs> a sporting play. <laughs> well, that's for certain. A waste, of, a waste um, of units to line a six-foot edge. Um, um, well, but for me, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. For me, um, I had the opportunity to do that in the Warhammer tournament. Um, I was I was playing against a player who was using an or, an ogre Death Star. Okay. And they were coming on Can from you reserve. Define that for some people. May not so know. a Death Star is a single huge unit that that um, that basically comprised of most of the offensive power, in addition to the points that it were included in the army. In this circumstance, he had one huge unit of like twenty four iron guts Dear and. God. Um, two small units of just regular ogres, or and maybe like maybe not even that, maybe one or two of the of the big cannons. And okay, and so um, th- the scenario meant that he had to deploy um, two units onto the table, and one unit came from behind you, and that was his Death Star. And I have a ton of Noblars, and I could have lined them all up yeah. against the back edge and denied him from coming on, guaranteeing me the win. Um, and you didn't do it. No, I didn't because I didn't. Because it, it's a special kind of tournament there where you're really just, I felt, just trying to have a good time. And so okay. um, um, I, I was aware of the tactic, and I, I could use I, I chose not to. In a different tournament, I may very well have, have done that. And so at the World Team Championship, when it happened, I can understand people being upset about it. But as my approach to it is, I, I can kind of see that happening and I plan for stuff like that whether I'm doing it myself oh. I don't know that I would ever do it myself or there's the possibility of it of it being used against me and so I mean that's just kind of part of it's it's not cheating it's no, it's, not. it's not cheating and so okay. if it isn't cheating then it's okay by me so okay that's and that's cool yeah it's it's an interesting spot for me because I'm like part of what makes a win at all cost player to me is making it a shitty game for your opponent, right? If if it if you know what you're about to do is going to just basically, and it's a weird place because right, it is competitive. You're you're you know your opponent that had the ogre Death Star, he's an idiot for deploying it as his reserve unit. That's a, a horrible play. I mean, as far as making sure it comes on the table, like that's a bad idea. But I got mixed feelings about it. And maybe, it, yeah, and, and maybe I, it was the yeah. scenario that's at fault. Maybe it's not the player, right? There's opportunity to do things other ways. Um, all well, right, so. a, a whack player will also um, interpret or, at the moment, 
misremember the exact ruling to be in their favor, and then when it comes to the other side of the shoe, remember it the correct way. Well, that's that would play into the the idea of cheating for sure. Yeah. Yes. All right. So we've defined whack. I, I, I'm confident <laughs> to say the conversation that we had last time was not referring to whack players. Um, I think we we said min max players a lot. Min max. We yeah. probably said min max players because that is a thing. So let's define min max since we're here. A min-max player is going to optimize their list. You're going to tune it. You're going to make sure that you're using every point efficiently. You're not wasting points where you don't need to. Yeah, um, you're going to you're going to minimize the points on your bare requirements to maximize your points on the most useful yeah. units. And and that used to be like for Warhammer terms, often points. You had your core tax. You're going to make sure that you're spending as few points on core as you possibly could, and you're going to load up on all the special units because they usually were way better and more point efficient. That that's Warhammer though. This is bolt action uh, where bolt everything action is similar. Would be like if you're running two platoons and your lieutenants and both platoons are inexperienced second lieutenants, the bare minimum cost you can put in there. Right, but you want that second platoon for some reason. So now you have right. you paid Again, your tax, it, it, but you're cheaping you're cheaping it out as best you can. Yep. Um, uh, I don't personally have a problem with min max lists. I think tuning a list is part of the game. I don't know what anyone else thinks. So um, we used to have a term, again, back in the Warhammer days. It's called winning in the army building phase. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 was that? that sounds like a sentence. It, well, it's, a, it's a term. It's a sentence for sure. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that was more about, you know, the inherent imbalance and, you know, some of the releases and just... Oh, we'll get, we'll get there in a minute. Just this, how, this how, all of that, how all of that kind of plays into, you know, if... If you set up um, on for the game and you look at your opponent and their deployed army and you feel as if you have no chance to win, that's winning in the army building phase or losing sure. in that scenario. And so, yeah, rock, paper, scissors per se. Right. And no, so, not that good. Well, not, not even necessarily that. It's that they have such a hyper-tuned and aggressive and uh, powerful list. And when, it, when it's compared to yours, it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't even know why we're here necessarily because i don't have any chance so, and so um now i there are there are players that really enjoy the exercise of combing through um the lists of all of the available choices that they have and just finding um it, it's a puzzle it's a puzzle for sure and and finding the solution to the puzzle can be a really fun exercise for a lot of players and i've been there honestly i've i've been i've been that player um and my approach to the wtc wasn't dissimilar to that um and so that's a min-max, and I think that's a, a, a fine style of play, honestly. Um, I don't see that there's anything anything necessarily wrong with that. Um, right. Where where I may have an issue with it is because I'm not as good at it as a ton of other people, and I'm going to get my ass beat. Yeah, <laughs> that's, part mean, of, that's part of how it goes sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's why you still roll the dice, you know. Yep, because dice still matter. That's, yeah, that is all part just, of it. Just measuring the the list against each other and going, oh well, okay, here we go. But well, but there's, yeah, I mean, you still screw up or some critical right. failure and, happens or and there and there could be there there is an element to it that is actually can be a lot of fun at least for me because you can see a list that I, I'm like. What in the actual hell? <laughs> wow! <laughs> where did you what? get that? Yeah. That's yeah. that's amazing, and it's you know, and and also if if you're the person that came up with that, then that's that's kind of cool, yeah. you know. It's uh, it's yeah. not necessarily that you're that guy, but there it can there's a there's a good there's a good that guy 
So. Right, right. All right, so let's, being competitive does not mean gaming. I'm, I'm just going to quote through this email here. Being competitive does not mean you're being gaming. It does not necessarily make someone unfun to play against. It does not make them a cheater or unfair opponent. I have nothing but respect for someone who brings a tough list and wins a tournament because they want to. Tur- uh, they did what the tur- tournaments are supposed to do. I encourage you to figure out how to win. Um, yeah, okay. I have no problem with any of that because that's true. All of that's true. Um, what I'm going to... What I'm trying to not be over general here. What I will say is... Um, I'm going to use some other terms here too that are that are common in some other games. Um, so Magic the Gathering, which is a card game, familiar, I'm just, it's around everywhere, has a term called Spikes, and they have terms called Timmies. Spikes are people that are, you know, are good. They're competitive. They te- tend to be cutthroat. They will they will win the game. That's their goal is to win the game. And Timmies are dirtles. They like to just play the game. They're just having fun, right? So they tend to be a little bit more um, just normal every day like I just I'm here to play not necessarily competitively Um, what I'm getting at with this is that I think competitive players tend to be spikes it doesn't mean they're being gamey but I'd say the people that are being gamey tend to be competitive does that make sense the Venn diagram overlaps right sure if if you're concerned about winning that could drive you to find ways to win Or be motivated to find ways to win. Well, I, I think I, there are people that just tend to be gamey, but they they almost always are competitive. There aren't gamey dirtles, right? There aren't gamey timmies, right? Does that make sense? Well, it, it, it makes sense, but that's just a feeling. I, it, that's it's sure. too general. I mean, it's I you have a sense that this is the case, but I, I don't know. I haven't really paid. I just okay. don't know, so I wouldn't be comfortable saying that. Because, again, I don't. I don't like to attribute a game, a, a, a term gamey, because I think we kind of under, understand what that means, to a particular kind of player, even if it's sure. true. Um, because, I guess it's... Right, it's I just... A, yeah. Yeah, I'm not necessarily okay. a fan, unless we can, unless we can show that this is, this is why it is that way. Not necessarily, it tends to be that way based off of how we feel about it. Sure. If that makes I think sense. The pro- I think the other problem here is which, what we're not addressing is the, is the meeting of expectations. Well, there are competitive people, people that like to solve the puzzle in their list building, people that want to win a game. When they hear the word tournament, they think, you know, I'm going to be the best tournament player there is. I'm going to win this tournament, and I'm going to play hard with the most efficient list I have to the, to the best of my ability because that's how the game should be played. And I think there are other players who show up and are like, I'm here to have a good time and have fun, or I made this historically accurate, particularly in historical battles games, list, and I'm here to play in this tournament and see how I do. And I named all my guys. (laughs) And when those two lists meet, it's not good for the person that didn't bring an optimized list. They have a bad time of it, because they're getting rolled by things that never saw each other historically in a combat, right? They're getting rolled by things that are like, oh, for sakes, you're playing that and that and that. And it's like... This is stupid. You might, we might. They're the ones that are going to get mad. And you're like, we're just playing 40k with a different skin. Then, you know, they're like, there's why even bother playing this game if it's not going to have any theme to it or whatever. And, and, and uh, no, sorry, go finish. I'll go. I was ahead. just saying. So what you're having a problem with here is the meeting of expectations, mm-hmm. right? If people don't come to the same event, come to an event, and they don't come understanding what kind of event they're going to, you're always going to have problems and hurt feelings, and that's where the real 
vitriol comes against the gamey win at all, all cost kind of players because that's what you say about somebody who's got a list that makes no sense to you historically because you had different expectations for what that tournament was going to be. Like LRDGs and uh, Chindits? And sure. List. Right. Things, well, things that, that was, that's, that's my list, by the way, so that's a fair That's example. an optimized yeah. list, right? Yes. And I will take the example for, and I'm going to have to go back to Warhammer because this is where we all got our start playing. I resisted playing strong units in my army for years. How many steam tanks God, did you get? Originally, zero. Yeah, no, I didn't play a steam didn't, tank until the very last year of Warhammer because, God damn it, I was not going to play these stupid bullshit, powered up, overpowered shit they're trying to sell me in this list because it's the new release. And look, this is the super strong thing. Go to hell! I can win with these. Ba- I can win with these basic units. I had to. Except you can't against things that are maximized and fine tuned. Your your Kia Sorento isn't going to beat a Lamborghini in a drag race. I'm sorry. No. I don't care how good a driver you are, unless the other guy crashes, which can occasionally happen, I suppose. In 100 races, he's going to win 99 of them. And you either have to accept that or, you know, don't go to a drag race. <laughs> so to, to build in what you're, you're managing expectations there, Jeff... And that that is what Warlord is trying to do with their supporter play, and they're you know they're recommended that here's your tournaments, here's the play style expected, here's the competition, here's the the competition style expected, yep. and trying to set that out in front. And so I think going forward, if you know, and I do encourage TOs to you know categorize these and contact the the tournaments at Warlord Games, and let that know for your players out there that hey, you know what, if you're looking for a historical list. Uh, this is this is a straight nuts and bolts fight. You you don't want any part of this. You right. Know, this is not the tournament that you let, should be let interested peop- in. Let people know coming in that it's going to be a, a, a situation where they're going to be playing people that have fine-tuned list for a competitive setting. And if they know that and still want to bring their historically accurate list, that's great. Then that's right. Something. That's their choice then. But they they have informed consent about what kind of event they're going to. And if you have informed consent, you've got no reason to bitch about right. what kind of event you're going I'm to. I'm going to throw a wrench in that. What happens if you say it's a casual event and an ultra-competitive player shows up? Well, we, again, your lists are, to generally speaking, are submitted to a TO, and it's on the TO who's, do, who's decided that, hey, this is the kind of event, to then push back at that ultra-competitive player and say, you know, this is not the kind of event that this kind of list is going to be is going for. Uh, can you consider redoing your list or possibly finding another tournament? And you know, deterring people away from tournament is not what TOs like to do. They like to have their tournaments full. Right. But sometimes you have waiting lists and other people that want to go for the theme you're trying to set as a tournament organizer. You have the ultimate say in that, and you can say, you know, I recognize this list, and you know, that's that's not what I'm going for this term. And if you're yep. a newer TO and you're not comfortable doing that, that's what Warlord support is there for. That's what yep. John Russell, Paul Walker's there for. Feel free to reach out to us, you know, and how to handle those things. That's what you do. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And I, I like the answer. I do. Um, but that's that's a really tough, that's just a tough thing. I, I just, uh, because I, I, because I, I think you have a really good point there, Rick. I mean... I, yeah. What what I, I have seen this in, in in the real world, I mean, obviously these are anecdotal, they're they're singular events mm-hmm. or or small numbers of events, but I have seen it where players will join into a you know, 
casual tournament as as the spike. I'm going to call him a spike again. Someone that is ultra competitive and blow out the you know blow out the the tournament, you know, kick everyone's ass and win it because they brought their super ultra competitive thing to a tournament that nobody was expecting that. I have never seen a casual player just walk in and be like, hey, I want to get my ass kicked by a bunch of really ultra-tuned lists. I don't know that I've ever seen the the inverse of that. That's where my mind is going with players that are casual versus competitive. But And again, you know, that's that's for the, that's part of the responsibility of the TO is to, is to yeah. police that. Police uh, and, that set, and set expectations. Yes. Yep. I, I, as long as they're doing that, I, I that is important as a TO. I worry that a uh, that a new TO may not recognize that. I, I don't know how why, often it happens. That's why, that's why I'm saying that's that's what the supported play is all for is for sure. those newer TOs to get the support. They may not be comfortable telling someone, uh, in, in you know, I, I I I've seen your name and all these power rankings. I know you're really good. I'm not comfortable pissing you off and saying, hey, this isn't what my tournament's about. Cool. Um, well, and and I think I think that it that's kind of it's not it, it's the counterpoint. It's, it's a counterpoint to the feedback that we've gotten about competitive players and optimized lists and coming to win and stuff like that. And yep. that, that flows right into Jeff's point of it's a, it's a matter of expectation. So if, if you are coming to a tournament as a competitive player with a super optimized list and you're, and you, you're looking at tournaments to go to, then you should also, um, uh, take it, in my opinion, take it upon yourself to look at if, if, if it's a competitive list, then come at it with a competitive approach. If it, if it's a casual tournament, I'm sorry, if it's a competitive tournament, then come at it competitively. Yep. Um, as a competitive player, if that's who you are. And if you're a ca- if it's a casual tournament and you're a competitive player, um, then do your best to come at it casually. So that there isn't there isn't um, there isn't a butting of heads between the expectations. So I mean, take that on, take that responsibility upon yourself. Yeah, um, the last thing you want to do is it's be the, the yeah. guy who beat someone so badly that he quit the hobby. I mean, right, that, that can't be anyone. So I attention. think I do think there's room for that in in this discussion as well. A hundred percent. So, all right. Well, we're we're. Four sentences into his email here, and we got a long way to go. So <laughs> we're gonna there will be pieces we skip for sure. All right. Yes. Um, so his next point is, if we're a real war, the people yeah, you can want, skip this part. You skip that part. I wanted yeah. to get to the yeah. point where you where uh, you a general would want to exploit numerical and quality advantages of their sure. forces. Right. You, well, that's not that's not what bolt action is. Well, and that's optimization. That's is how that's, you get that in bolt yeah, action. We, that's, yeah. Okay. That's what we kind sure. of are saying because it br- builds into the next point. Uh, U.S. didn't beat Germany in a fair fight. We fought with t- you know we fought with artillery and air power. Um, we we cut off their supply lines. Yep, all that stuff makes sense. It's historically there. Um, but in this circumstance, this is an abstract game where forces are equalized and designed to create a fair fight. I would agree that that seems to be here and this is where they agree with you system seems like to be designed to match equal points cost armies balance terrain to fight over fair objectives in general and let generalship win so i mean what he's essentially saying is they've abstracted the game so that it's balanced for either side to win and that the person that's a better general should win that that kind of is what the, that's you know, that's all the goal war games I mean, right that's that's the goal of gaming right competitive, yeah that's competitive yeah. war gaming so in fact bolt action does this better than most games uh 10 point guy is a 10 point guy right um Guy with the rifle is the same point across all armies. Veteran is the same. But this is where he goes, oh, wait, but they aren't. 
In fact, the game system appears amazingly balanced and you start looking until you start looking closer. Some units are way better than others. Some units in combination with special army rules are amazingly fantastic. And some units in army rules with free slots or special allowances um, become incredibly powerful. Um, for example, he uses Polish Lancers, Kirk Paratroopers, 24 Order Dice Russian lists, um, and basically the entire Japanese Codex. Uh, I'm going to say the last one's probably not true, in my opinion. The Japanese. Bonsai and Fanatic, well, their entire infantry, all their infantry selections. But that's saying, you're mac that's saying you have to play all bamboo spearmen, right? You don't have to do that. Well, no, I mean, I mean, but... You, you get, you, He's the army wide fanatic. He's right. Army wide fanatic is with with bonsai is unbalanced compared to Germany. Okay. Well, well, right. Well, Germany's not in there. Obviously, we've talked about that in the last episode too. Mm -hmm. Um, We know we know Gurkhas. We've talked about that Gurkhas are in fact ultra powerful. Yeah. Polish lancers. We've we've had those. Yep. And I will say all of the reasons why all of these things are unbalanced is they're. They're underpointed, right? Uh, essentially, more or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think are definitely undercosted. Gurkhas. The Japanese should all have the entire army should have the option of adding fanatic, not get it for free, but have the option of paying the points to get it. It ends up being undercosted. Yep. Um, yeah. Post. Yep. Six hundred points, maybe five hundred points on the Japanese list. Yes. Oosh. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. That's that's you're right. Okay, fine. It belongs in here. I'm not going to take it out. It belongs in the list of of things that are probably very undercosted, and and Soviets as a rule, like they have the capability of running inexperienced troops without some of the downsides. Um, let's. He's not talking about campaign books or special units here. Core armies, which can have massively unfair advantage on the battlefield. Right. So, in the context um, of the discussion that we were having, we were talking about the change uh, in the fact where um, Warlord basically um, encouraged tournaments to switch to just what's in the core books eliminating a number well in irregulars in particular that we had discussed in length um as an option um and the new italian special rules things like that so yeah um so let's read the next sentence too because that's that's where he gets into that warlord games built these uh, built the core rules for competitive game and created imbalance like so he's basically saying and i would agree that the main rule book with the special rules for each army, the army created XXX. Yep, created imbalance in itself, and I would agree 100. percent I, I, I think we I agree with that, that too. There's, I think we said that almost verbatim. Yep, there's there's tiers in the lists. We know yeah, that I mean, we have, Russians have a great toolbox at the at the base. Yep. Um, so again, Russians Russians why are Russians on top tables? Because they have the best core rule set, or their core rule set is strong. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the specific reasons he's giving. Basically, saying they have all the tools and they're able to do it fairly enough. And they're not reliant on getting good units that have been released in, yep. in campaign books. Yep. And then he goes on. They to, have them all. Then yep. he goes on to Japanese t- tough fighter bonsai guys. Yep. That's we we just got done saying that because with British rules make them very good. Um, yep. They, they are good. Yeah. They, they are undercosted. We we have said that before. Uh, like it or not, this game system has imbalances built into the rules. Yep, we agree. Um, we've said this much. Yep, we've basically, well, I would agree with uh, that basic premise of all of the stuff at the top. Which leads me to the issue that I think Warlord didn't address. All the new units, those fun units that have been released in campaign books, they imbalance the game. So he's basically saying the game was already imbalanced. 
but for some reason Warlord thought that the, the new game or the new units were what were unbalancing the game. Nah, I think they just got sick answering the question. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? There's a fire over here. Just throw, throw a blanket statement on it. It'll be fine. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here because yeah. this is going to lead into the next point too. Part of the issue is is that if you're just using the core the core systems, right? I agree absolutely. There's some imbalance in the rules, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Right? Yep. That gives you the chance to play rock, paper, scissors rather than playing chess. Chess is boring. Sorry, chess players. It's boring. Boring <laughs> to watch. Boring to play. There's about 10,000 strategies in chess, but there's only 10,000 strategies in chess. <laughs> See? See? Dogs agree Dogs with agree. me. Yep. Dogs agree with me, yeah. And the thing is... They're getting excited you, about that point. Yeah. You want to you have a game with more variables so different things can happen. Having someone balances causes that. The problem is, is that they, I don't, I'm trying to find a nice way to say this. The Articles of Confederation style releasing of campaign books where it's farmed out and it's not really quality, not quality checked. It's not really uh, competitively checked against the basic back main rules, especially stretched out over what? The last eight, nine years of releases? Forever, yeah. Right? Uh, Yeah. Means that trying to manage... The, dis, the the diaspora of campaign book Whoa, units out on. there Word. and get them all into yeah, a competitive sink where the competitive imbalances aren't so big or certain units aren't comparatively so bad no one would ever take them again. It's the only logical answer here. Well, there's two logical answers, and the only logical one they're going to do right now is to just say, no, stick with the core rule books Because the other one is, we need to do a version 3. Or, or even just a general's and handbook. Repoint it. Right? And re- sure, re- a general's handbook would also work, but repointing, there's a lot of things that need to get repointed. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and we've said that before. This is the com- the thing that I bring up is, you know, occasional point updates in a, in, in a tournament book is totally appropriate. If yep. you want to introduce new units, don't do it in theater selectors for competitive play. I think yeah. it's, it's a poor way of doing it, like you said. Because, okay, for instance... I, I want to buy the whatever stupid ass book has one freaking German unit in it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy a book to play competitively. You know, th- not all tournament players are you know campaign pl- campaign players as well. So or collectors or collectors. Yeah, I don't need like all me. the books. I don't want all the books. I don't need right. all the paper on my shelf. What I need is I do a book. I, you know, and I'm, ha- I'm happy that I have you in my life because if I need to borrow <laughs> a book, I, I know where to go. Right? right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm happy but, I have you in, in my life too, Pat. Exactly. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, so. me too, but I don't give a shit about your books. Yeah, I don't give a shit about it. I, I just I would never know the rules if you weren't around. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so that but that being said, like having to buy a, a theater selector for a unit for a book is also kind of it feels it feels gross. Like that it's, shouldn't it's, be how we it's do not this winning. anyway. Yeah. You know? And they might you know, unfortunately Warlord might see that they sell less books now. I they might see a benefit, a business impact because tournament players aren't buying the new book because of whatever units are in there, you know. And I will be the first to admit, the first thing I do when I look at our campaign books and we're reading through them is I go look at the units. Who's got units and what units are they and were they available to reinforce platoons? That's the I'll first thing I did. The, I'll skip the salad now. I'd like to have the steak, please. Right, right. I mean, I'll go back and read the history stuff, but I, the first thing I do is go look at what new stuff is in the in the armies. Um, yeah. that you're not alone in that one. Yep, right. I think most people do that. <clears throat> Even I do that. 
Yeah. Well, scenarios are pretty good too. They're they're fun to read. Sure. Well, and I, I think I think to to the feedback being provided, um, a look maybe perhaps the direction that that the that the email submitter was going was was to point out that um, clearly, as as we've noted, there is imbalance just in the core books that right. it represents. Um, but um, as campaign books were released, there was an opportunity to redress redress some of those imbalances. I mean, we're you know, one of the suggestions is as General's Handbook, which is a new book, effectively to kind of redress the balance. And yep. so the new the new rules for Italy, for example. In the Western Desert campaign book, those were better than the core book rules. They still weren't good. No, but but they were better. But now no, Italian no, players, they weren't worse. Well, I they're mean, still, well, you know, that still makes them better by definition. But <laughs> right, and so they're still not great. And so by by the, the decision that Warlord has made, effectively eliminating their inclusion of everything that has been written and possibly could be written to redress those balances. Um, from a competitive standpoint, because that's that's where we're we're coming at this way, um, it kind of, you know, you know that's that kind of sucks, especially yeah. taking into consideration that if they're not going to do anything, and there isn't a third edition imminent, then that we're probably likely going to see from, you know, a possible stagnation in, you know. So, okay, so new fun uh, things. Uh, so three points. First of all, a third edition is not imminent. We know that for a fact. We know that. We, yep. This this version two is here. Uh, there'll continue to be some some more updates to it. Um, not all of the units were eliminated. There are a significant number in there that are still allowed in the reinforced platoon. Only at those gold level events, which are two, yeah, three, there's not for a year, yeah. maybe. Yep. Are the only ones right now that are saying, nope, armies of only. Don't bring me your stuff. Well, the fact so, did say from a standpoint of like a tournament play, anything that doesn't have that, that label on it is basically just assumed right. not to be, which is right. fine. And, it, like, and the newer one also brought back those ones that that, that list. I mean, I, I like to go back to Fortune Budapest because uh, it was very well written and it really brought the, the Hungry Army to a good playable standpoint. Not, no free order dice, but, you know, what, what Axis player really gets that besides Romanian. Yeah, I don't... But, yeah. And so that's, you know, again, it's, you know, like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. They didn't eliminate all of these units off their table, except for these, you know, isolated, big, gold-tier level events, which, just bring your Russian be fine. You'll, you'll be okay. It'll be a bunch of Russian players. be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, alright, so... Um, you had me until you said the last little bit there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> because you've just kind of, you know, brushed off everyone's concern that. Well, I mean, if if you care so much, then you can just put away your toys and get these other toys over here, like everybody else has. And and that's, I mean, I know you're. I mean, it's a little tongue in cheek and everything like that. But I think we need to. I mean, you know, it, the community is a big place, and we need to be. You know, uh, we need to be as representative as as we can be. Now, your point—the point being that, you know, technically, with the new with the new, you know, supported play pack and these gold level events, it's not—it isn't the end of the world necessarily. We're just talking about maybe a handful of events each year, and I think I think that's a great point. So, it's you know, the baby—we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> that's good. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and offer a slight counterpoint on that though. 
um, because I like to throw wrenches in the system too. Yes, do it. Almost every game system I've ever played in always looks at the top level and emulates that. So I think players are looking at that top level gold event and being like, well, I don't want to have to build multiple versions of my stupid list here. I want to build a list that will work in that tournament and that tournament alone. And when I want to host another tournament or play another tournament, I want to go to a tournament that's going by that standard. It's the same reason uh, for all of you out there that were ever a WoW player. Everybody looks at the builds people use in the top rating guilds and copies that. Regardless of their skill level, they look for that top build because that's the best build and that's the build you have to play. And then you get bullied into it by people that'll tell you, well, why would you play in an inefficient tournament? You should be playing in this best kind of tournament all the time. And so the trendsetter at, is always going to be the very top, and that's what's going to get emulated, and that's why so many people are pissed off because they feel like so many units have been eliminated because they're only looking at that top level because that's what they consider to be the gold standard. Yeah. That's what we're... Well, yeah. and maybe it's... A, I'm, I'm going to be... I'm going to jump on that same idea but maybe a little bit more pragmatic about it in a sense that if i'm building one list i want to make sure that i can play in any number of tournaments i could possibly play in right so like i want to be able to make sure i play in bronze gold and silver or silver and gold right i want to make sure i'm in all the tournaments so the only way i can do that is to make sure i build a list for the most narrow view which is the gold, like you said and work my way down Mm -hmm. so it's the same it's the same thing you're right in a sense that i'm throwing all those units out because I want to make sure that I accommodate gold level. And maybe that's the dilemma, right? Is like Pat said, there aren't very many gold level tournaments. There are very few. And I don't think we're going to see a lot more of them pop up because of this. I don't think that's going to happen. However, certainly not immediately. So one well, of, I'm not going to throw a wrench in it, but I'd like to put a caveat. Okay. If I could. Uh, these FAQs still coming out. They're still a chance for that that FAQ to be FAQ'd again, you know? Yep. It's, uh, I know that there's been Warlord representatives who have who have asked for the list uh, that I have compiled that we mentioned in the last episode, which, of course, if you're on Discord, you have access to. I still haven't updated for D-Day 2 yet. I'm almost done with Valheim. Give me a minute. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's a chance that that also gets, the, you know, that there's a reversal on that. So yeah. right now there's, there's no gold level events on the horizon that I can see. And, yep. That I know of. So... You and know, so, okay. Relax, breathe. Right. But I also, also, I want to interject because I know I just got done arguing that these gold level events, are whatever wants to play. The other side of that coin, and what I wanted to talk a little bit about, is if you allow all these theater book units in, right? Which is the other side, you know, everything's unbalanced, let's just play with everything, whatever. Right. Some theater book units are so good compared to what else is available in an army list people would never play anything except that theater book list army unit. And I'm going to specifically say, why would you ever take any other form of German infantry squad if you could take yeah. the shoots and squad right. with the two machine guns? Because they, right? they don't get Foss. I, I can have other units with Foss. I'll, okay. I'll take my free MMGs or LMGs. Yep. For sure. Five shot LMGs. Right? It's just so good, They're good. that it's That's really so good. much better than the next thing. Right, right. For Germans, one hundred percent. For Germans, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, there, I mean, if I could take a list of all those, what was that Soviet Storm Squad that was just Sturm Gruppe, Sturm Sturm Group that was just stupid cheap and really good Mm. for what it did. Yep. I I'd struggle to take anything else Russian except the free unit. I guess. Well, which those those are actually in reinforced platoon. Yep, they are. 
yep. which which goes back to yeah, maybe the a almost, zero one in the reinforced platoon. So. Zero three. Yep. Yeah, it almost goes back to the old Warhammer days where whatever the next book came out, you you know you saw a shift from one meta to another or like one thing to another. You know, like everyone replaced all their infantry with whatever the new best unit was. Like, right. I don't want that to be the case. Like, I, you shouldn't see a huge shift every time a theater book comes out. I don't, I, so, personally. So, or in this case, an FAQ. So if all of a sudden right. all the Soviet units go on some mystic sail, you're saying something's up? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think. Total I think joke, that, by the way, in case that wasn't <laughs> obvious. And I think the solution point, to get way back to the start of this conversation, the solution point is to, is they need points adjustments. Yeah, a unit that has what a, a Russian unit that has a special rule and machine and submachine guns and other advantages. If those advantages cost the right amount of points, it's no longer a, uh, a fine-tuned competitive advantage over a standard Russian squad, right? Yeah. The reason Gurkhas are so stupid and prevalent is because they are dramatically undercosted with right. the special rules that they have available to if, them. With yeah. with the rules, yep. if they had to pay through the nose to get those abilities. Is are people still going to play Gurkhas? Of course, because they're just really awesome. But is everybody going to play Gurkhas? Probably not. If you had to pay two points for that uh, scary blighter, or th- two or three points, it's but and and that's a part of the problem to me is like people would get upset if they ups- if they change the Gurkha points. We'd be in the same dilemma if they were like, we're going to let everything in, but there will be point adjustments. People would be up in arms about that too. Like that's well. And, You're and, making change, and unfortunately, change causes people to be disappointed. So, in some well, way. Yeah, nobody wants their overpowered toy to get adjusted. Right. I agree. right. Well, so there's there's an alternate solution. Quote, well, yeah, uh, offered offered within the feedback that we received, where it wasn't a points adjustment; it was a limit on the number of squads that you could take right. of of a yep. particular potentially huh. overpowered or, un, or rather underpriced unit. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the same. It's not the same as as adjusting points to an appropriate level yep. um, on a per model basis. But it it does potentially limit um, the, the spamming of um, a su- significantly undercosted unit. Yep. And and I think it actually uh, it's funny. I think I've realized something during this conversation because of the way this this email was written is that. You know, bolt action does it better than most war games. A ten point guy with a rifle is the same as in all armies. Well, that's that inherently that's the problem is that everything is on base level the same, except the army rules imbalance them, right? Like um, a perfect yeah. example of this: Warhammer. Warhammer did this, where you know we're going to go down weapon skill, weapon skill, strength, toughness, all the same stats. But for some reason, in one army, he's two points more expensive than he was in the other army. They looked at the synergies of what that unit does in that army versus the other army and the rules that they get and determined that it needs to be two more two points more expensive to make it balance. Is there an opportunity where that has to happen where a 10-point rifle isn't a 10-point rifle anymore? Right, so that, that regular 10-point rifle in the Japanese list isn't the same as... As the as the ten point rifle and the German list, right? Right. Because right, exactly. the Japanese guy comes with bonsai and fanatic, right? So in re, in theory, a regular a regular Japanese model should be twelve points, right? Like 
or 13, whatever. Actually. Thir- 13 points. Yep. Well, I'd even say give them a discount. Whatever, fine. Give them make it a point cheaper than normal to buy Fnatic. But right. you're still you're making that same dude not the same price anymore. That I mean, that would right. be a well, potential fix for some of this stuff. Well, I mean, and that's the the you, if the special rules should have a point. The fixes they have a point cost to them. Yeah. If you want to have the Japanese Fnatic bonsai or which mm. one, the Fnatic special yeah. bonsai rule, you pay extra points on your infantry, or you can have them not have that rule because. Not every Japanese soldier was a fanatic that did bonsai charges. Right, right, right. It, but I mean, so that and that that we're not going into our our third edition wish listing. But for <laughs> me, my for me, I'd like them to rework. I'd like them to have new new army special rules, um, completely reworked um, that were still impactful but not as significant. And then I'd like them to bake the current special rules into points cost upgrades mm-hmm, to sure. specific kinds of platoons so that if you wanted a last stand kind of platoon forced to build then you you provided that with with fanatic and bonsai and you didn't limit it to just the japanese list necessarily right but they they maybe got something you know they keep their they keep their Kempatai officers and, you know, maybe um, a faith in the emperor kind of rule. And, and the Russians, you know, they lose their free unit, but instead maybe their reinforced selectors allow them to take an extra infantry unit and they all get flags automatically, you know, for the motherland or something. So, um, you know, I would like, I would still like, well, ideally they could find a way to keep each one of the nations um, with a unique flavor Um and something that was fun and exciting for the people who played that, but they were able to balance it more evenly across the board, you know, through selection options and points costs that you chose to build a specific kind of list that you wanted to. So. Yeah. All right. So back to the email. The concept of comp for competitive play has been around for decades. All war games have had to use it because of balance, because game balance is hard. Developers make mistakes or players figure out how to exploit them. Or find exploits that they didn't intend. Tell you rewrite rules. Um, having a responsibility to balance for competitive play systems for competitive players. <sighs> I hate comp. Yeah. I I get the idea that sometimes maybe it's necessary, but I hate it. I hate the idea of comp. So, I hate that players decide on their own what they think is better. So, uh, and that's why you hate comp. Yes, I, I think. Okay. I think, and I think that's important to to explain why why you feel the way you do. So I yeah. I I don't know that I've ever seen. I'm, I'm sorry. I've I've seen a fair number of compacts. There's never one that I have read, and this is possible that there are others that are that are better, where something slips through that a player is like, "That's underpowered." Don't. That's that's fine, and it's blatantly obvious to another meta that that unit is on the on the max side of things not the min side of things right there's always weird things you see because sometimes you know if they're making it for a large group of people different areas have different needs or different feelings or different unit selections and it makes a difference and i think that they're overgeneralizing in the other direction sometimes you know i don't even want to say anyone does things nefariously like they don't necessarily make it so that there's the, the unit that they really like makes it through without, you know, being harmed. But well, why'd you do that in a tournament you're running and not playing in? Because well, you that, might go to another tournament that's using your your compact. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I I agree with you, Rick, in that I'm. Uh, I mean, I am suspicious of player comp packs because um, most often, I don't think every time, but almost every time we've encountered a comp pack. And I'm still going back to, to Warlord games because I haven't looked at any of the compacts for Bolt Action. You mean War, war uh, um, Games Workshop? Warhammer, yeah. yeah. Um, Warhammer. The, the player comp pack um, didn't, didn't correct the imbalance. It just created different imbalance. Yep, yep, yep. And so, um, and I always, always felt, it, well, and, and maybe this is where, where, I've, where my approach falls down, in that I always felt it was just easier to accept um, what we were getting from, in this situation, Games Workshop, because we all got the same thing. Um, yep. And just deal with that, then take it upon myself or have the community take it upon itself to, to step up and try to correct it. Because I always felt like, first of all, it never worked or almost never worked. And it was so much work. And it didn't matter which way you went with it. There was always someone who was just not going to be happy about it. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's and that's not a fun place to be. No. And instead of the community being in that place, it's a lot easier for, for Warlord to be in that place because then we can sit and talk about about that, right? Right, right. So I, and that's and that and that's I think that's where I may not be handling this correctly. I'm just taking the easy way out. So. Well, the other problem with comp is that okay there's three compacts now which tournament am i going right. to which compact am i using oh this unit's not allowed because it's different in this you know this compact imbalances this thing versus that thing yeah. so now instead yeah. of one source of truth you have four mm-hmm. and they're all different and you now have to try and wade through that shit and i don't want to do that either I think that also comes back to a question we had about how we feel about clubhouse community rule sets. I think the comp yep. kind of fits in the same thing. Yep. And I, I think we're we like the universal set that is is common across. Everything. So, if I could jump in, yes, please. Uh, with a little historical perspective too. I don't like compacts for the same reasons you guys stated, and I'm going to take Rick's point just a little bit further. Is that when some club is like, well, we can make this rule set better by making this compact. And then another game club sees that, and they're like, well, that game, that compact was close to being good, but we think we make this change, right? Then it's better. And like, well, someone else says, well, what about this rule? So we're going to make it wrong. Pretty soon you balkanize all of the game, and nobody's playing the same game anymore. Right. Right. You might be using some of the same models, but you're not even playing the same damn game anymore. Right. And what... <laughs> Again, we're going to use Warhammer as an example here. What I think was for a lot of American players, and I'm not going to overgeneralize here to the UK because I assume they're still doing good over there, what killed Warhammer for a lot of US players was A, the lack of support for the rules when they stopped doing facts for Warhammer, and it just everybody started getting compacts all over the place. And then they just, the, when, it's, when the top down stopped carrying, it balkanized, people were writing up, and they blew up the world, and people started writing Ninth edition, and people started playing Age of Sigmar, and people started doing 8.5, and it just fell apart for a lot of people because there was no central command and control about, hey, this is the game we should be playing. Yeah. Because they became a model company all of a sudden and not a rules company. And it's like, well, that is exactly the wrong apo- approach, at least in the United States, for keeping a healthy game environment up. Right? Well, uh, and certainly a healthy competitive Right, competitive game environment, yes. Well, and 
on top of that, like like you just said, if there's constant commotion and change, there's never an opportunity for something to like be settled, right? So if mm-hmm. compacts keep changing, which I they were doing it more frequently than Warlord, Warlord does for any of their stuff, that that's a problem too in a sense that like you can't keep track of what shit is where you did. It, it's messy. The idea of comp is messy. I agree in some sense that it's it really is Warlord's responsibility to try and make it better for competitive players in that sense. Instead of making a compact, do whatever it takes to make a set for the competitive players. I don't know what that is. I think a handbook would be a perfect example. General's handbook, go down the, ro- the road of Warhammer, you know, adjust points, put everything in one book, make everyone happy. That would be yeah, a good competitive. Competitive play compendium. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, whatever that is. Whatever that is. Um, and I'm, I, yeah, I just, and I I agree 100 percent with you. I'm just, I I'm just feeling like, I don't feel like, that's, going to happen. No. Uh, yeah. No, I don't either. <laughs> and and so, and so then I'm I'm wondering, if. If we or someone should try to step in, if or if that's just too dangerous, I mean, and dangerous isn't the right word. <laughs> I so, just got so done saying don't dangerous. Like yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, so, I'm not so, saying let's do it. I'm saying so. Do we just do we just kind of sit here and maybe watch? And I'm and not not to doomsday this, but we kind of <laughs> you know now that Jeff kind of brought it up, it does kind of feel. It does kind of feel like a little bit of Eighth Edition Warhammer when things just kind of nothing nothing changed. Right? So, so no, we we all left the game and went to bolt action. <laughs> yeah. Right, but I don't right. want to leave bolt action and go to something else. Right, so it's right. back to Warhammer. Um, <laughs> no, no, as a as a as a cartoony example of of my problem with compacts, and and again, I'm not saying I wouldn't do one at this point, but I'm saying a problem. There's a, I think it was. Uh, XKCD a cartoon one time where the guy's reading a newspaper article and is like, there are 23 different kind ki- types of phone chargers. And he looks at it and says, this is absolutely stupid. I'm going to make one universal phone charger for everybody. And the news article on the next page is, there's 24 kinds of phone chargers. Right. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> so, uh, to answer your like what you just asked, Dale, I think the what we as, a, as Snafu are are capable of doing like yeah we could make a compact we could do that we could do all sorts of things to make a more balanced game from a like rules perspective write it down on a piece of paper but i think what we're doing is actually far more i i I, well i think is more valuable it's almost it's it's a little bit in a sense protesty and i feel like our job as a as a, a podcast at this point is to try and help you know feed sentiments like this email to people that are able to maybe make mountains move inside a warlord to move move the needle so to speak on the inside that's my perspective okay I so think. the long term here is i think and I'll, I'll put this out you guys can agree on that um and and kind of the backfill on what you're saying if i'm taking it correctly um the best solution that we think moving forward is is for warlord to take all of this on and come out with whether it's a general's compendium or version 2.5 or version three and just release and to address all of the issues 
that are here yes. because then that's coming from warlord it's not coming from someone in the community and there's not yes. going to be a bunch of splinter groups okay yep that makes sense I, okay I, i'm going to i'm going to put a point one point further in here because this is the next thing i want to get to uh with with the compact ideas warlord i'm i'm very happy warlord is putting out this competitive play packet that's awesome i'm stoked that they're doing that i think it indicates that they're they're trying they to do this yeah yeah. I mean, the yep. very first bit of it is is a kind of an open letter from John Starlord. So, right, because in the in the absence of direction from Warlord, the people that are going to set comp and things like comp and what meta is and how tournaments are done are going to be the people that put on the biggest tournaments. So, if Warlord isn't running a tournament with their official comp system, people like us who put on a tournament or the Juggernauts or whomever is running Adepticon, if it's not Warlord, you know, and any major tournaments, whatever they decide is going to be what goes then, mm-hmm. right? People will take the direction from who's actually doing, not who's talking. Yeah, because they want to play. Because they want to play. Yeah. So Warlord needs to be proactive, and I'm glad they're being it right now. They need to be even more proactive about setting forth what they want the tournament scene to be. And if we can encourage them to do it well and we follow what they're doing then we're trendsetters helping the community right Right? Mm -hmm. that's where i personally would like to see this go in the absence of that coming down from warlord or if it is unfortunately you know a hundred car pile up on the freeway and just a train wreck of implementation then yeah we need to We'll take the reins then, if that's what it means, as far as comp and tournament and list goes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, we we uh, for the record we we do kind of uh, yeah comp uh, comp and offshoot our own uh, tournament too. Well, I mean we were we okay. I, okay, uh, comp I'm, is I'm, the wrong word. Since I'm the since I'm the trumpet player, let me toot my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think it's entirely coincidence that how we set up the rules for units allowed in our tournament is reflected, not precisely, but reflective of where the competitive play packet's going. Uh, we, I would agree with you. Yeah. And part of that's because we do. Although, right? It's not because we're the smartest kids on the block. It's because we're doers and we're doing. And that's what sets trends. Right. For yeah, good or bad. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> well, that, that, that's exactly what I'm trying to imply here. Yeah. For good or ill, <laughs> the tourists are the ones that set the trends. Right. Yeah, 100%. So, and so unfortunately, when people create compacts, they they do get traction. That's That happens. Of course they do. Like, yep, they do. Because someone thinks, oh, that's a great idea. I want to hit. I want to hitch onto that. We, we've, mm-hmm. we've touched on that, too. Yep. Well, yep. it refreshes the game. It, it does. does. And that's the problem with... It, not a problem. That is a good aspect of it. Unfortunately, it's coming from the wrong source, in my opinion. It's not right? coming from the best source. Well, it's coming from a source. It's. I mean, it doesn't just you know spontaneously combust into. Well, right? no, but I, the best source, I, in my opinion, would be Warlord. Yeah, that's what I'm yes. saying. Is, yeah. That's why I'm saying it's coming from the wrong source. It's coming from, and this is exactly the same thing. This we've gone on about this about fans writing things for games. Is they're they're maybe biased in some aspect. Mm-hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. they can write them, and, you know, as long as as long as uh, they get released through the proper channels, yep. I think and, they're, they're probably yep. fine. And, and and maybe not even biased, but they're they're not infallible. They'll make mistakes too. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, okay, so like, and he's making a point in here about tournament organizers. If World of Game doesn't deal with, in this circumstance, he's talking about the Italian special role. Us as tournament organizers might have a might have a responsibility to try and give them the better rules. Better, I didn't say good. I said better than the bad rules. So, um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, w- as a tournament organizer, maybe that is something we could do: is saying like, well, these are better rules that the Western Desert rules apply. It's just it's a weird spot to be stuck in where you're now introducing, especially in like our in our scenario where we've you know we've limited stuff in. Now adding another campaign book in starts to open doors for other people to want different things as well. And that that campaign book in particular still has a, a fairly a lot bad of flavor. problems, a lot of bad <laughs> flavor sure. in my mouth. For sure, <laughs> it's got a lot of problems. Right, I, but again, it's I, I think what he's trying to say is that you know perhaps we have a responsibility to do what we can so that the people who want to come and play, um, you know, that we do our best to kind of accommodate. I don't want responsibility. Yeah. I want to have fun. I, but I, running a I freaking mean, tournament but, you know, is a lot of but, responsibility. But, but having some and responsibility for the health of the community allows us to continue having fun. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and, but People there's a, don't show up for a tournament right. anymore. There's a balance in that regard. There is a balance, and you, yes. and you just pointed out that, okay, well, there's all this other stuff in that book as well. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, you know, either way, well, the path you... The path that you go down, if it includes compacts or, you know, um, uh, special allowances in tournament play and things like that, um, to do that really well is going to take a ton of time and a lot of work, and there's still a fairly good chance that it's not it's not going to come out as well as you'd hope. And 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 each one of those steps that you take, you're, you're opening yourself up to criticism, um, which can be really can be really tough and and this email wasn't that at all i mean it was no. actually it was a great email and thank you so much for sending it in i i certainly appreciate it. i enjoyed reading it yeah and, absolutely. i did i like the perspective it was um, very nice and 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 to be honest i think all of the feedback we've gotten has been has been really good but when you know you know at some point i don't forward the other ones on you guys. <laughs> there you go you know <laughs> um, you know but it's it can be it can be hard to put yourself out there in, in yeah. this kind of a scenario so it's um, you know, and, and that's and people who put those compacts together, you know, that takes some courage there. So, yeah, and and to be fair, you're you're absolutely right. I I poo poo on the idea, but I I appreciate the idea that they're building, they're trying to build better for their community, and that that is commendable. I just have mm-hmm. a, a conflict at the top level, right? It's not something I can get behind wholeheartedly. But that being said it shows commitment and that's commendable like that's yeah. good yeah. yep yeah I'll read his last sentence because it's I think it's important to recognize that this is that to take this in the spirit as intended courtesy and respectful discourse over a sticky and difficult topic for sure it was a difficult topic it's not easy and it's I we didn't we didn't really answer anything we haven't fixed this problem yet this is still we I think it's important that we recognize this is a problem. We're trying to figure out how to fix it. Well, we got it today, in all fairness. Well, I mean, I don't think this is something that's going to get fixed overnight. This is, you know, this is a a large-level issue and in some degree is reliant on Warlord doing what they need to do to, you know, to prioritize bolt action again. Mm -hmm. You You know, how much begging do we have to do to get them to actually 
you know, make their game that makes them the money to to put that at the forefront again. Right. If they don't have a company, they're not going to make rules. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is 100% true. I mean, I know they sell a lot of models. I'm sure they do. But if if Bolt Action is the game that provides them the most profit and, and you know, why would they not be pushing forward with this? You know, I'm 100% grateful that they have not done what Games Workshop does and release an army book every, you know, a new Armies of Germany book every two years. But that probably would have fixed this problem yeah. to some degree. Did we do we touch on the last part where the the results of Snafu is in there? Because I did pull those up. Oh no, I didn't. I did not. The the, the last uh, was it, is it the last paragraph? I don't. No, it's in the middle somewhere. Sorry. Uh, we we uh, we talked about uh, the small number of people playing Japanese, but they you know look at those the Japanese polar lancers and look at the, their win percentages. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, I did want to point out because I pulled it up and looked at it. Um, of the top five players in Snafu, four of them are British, and the winning player is Japanese cavalry. Yeah, and, the, and that was just this last year. That was last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we had so we had twenty. We had twenty six signed up. Twenty two played. Seven were British. Eight were German. And then there's like ones and twos for everything else. Okay. And ours is, so we had two, seven Brits, eight Germans, two Soviets, two U.S., a Finn, and a Japanese player who won the whole shebang. And, and now the top, I, you know, we and don't. The top five or six were all British and. The top Japanese. five, the top five were British and the Japanese player who won. And, and keep in mind, we don't, we don't Swiss pair the entire tournament. So, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's, so that's, that's not right. They're, this um, is kind of a casual. I, I, I did, I did do a, I did so. do a, a strength of victory schedule. Uh, the top three were uh, the top. The, the, the toughest strength of victory was a British player, British player, and then the Japanese player. Okay. So I did do a strength of victory calculation as well. Okay. Just because I love stats. <laughs> stats are hot. Yeah, well, they hopefully, are. hopefully next episode we'll have some really interesting stats we can talk about. So. This is oh, just going to be a dude. stat episode. Is that what we're going to do? I don't know. We'll have to I wait won't. and see. We got some stats at GoGo. Yeah, we got some cool stuff that um, I'm excited about. So, oh, dude, the emails that we got—that was pretty cool. Yeah, we should. We'll have to tease that a little bit. So. Yeah, give us some time to digest it, and let me let me put some spreadsheets together. Well, I mean, do we feel like we've we've wrapped up on the email? Any any more thoughts? I think I've pretty much. Yeah, I'm I'm set. So I, I am too. I I again I appreciate this. I think it was well thought out. You had some really great ideas in here. I don't think. You know, I appreciated it. It it definitely opened my my thinking about it some more. Uh, I I am a little bit. I the one thought I have on it is just there are sometimes where we talk about something on the on the on the podcast that maybe we're not bringing up the exact point you're making, but we're maybe making a tangent point, and that's maybe you know the one thing he says in here that I maybe don't agree with is that we missed the point. I don't think we missed the point. I think we were just taking a different approach on it that maybe was a little bit... Um, we have a tendency to speak to the context and not necessarily the ideal. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, and if there's, you know, if there's others that, you know, have feedback and want to send this to us, you know, there's, we have our Discord. 
Uh, if you want to be more direct, you can private message one of us on it, and we might give you our email, and you can send us more direct feedback like this. You know, we're, we're not unreachable by any stretch. Yep. We like feedback, mm-hmm. good and bad. Right. At the end of the day, we love this game. We care about this game, and so, you know, we want to do what we can to keep this game being as awesome as it can be, right. as universal yeah. as it can be. And it's yep. and it's not. I mean, and honestly, I mean, it's the game is is just the vehicle that lets us. Well, first of all, get together every couple of weeks and shoot the shit. Um, but also to actually get out of the house and 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 play with our friends and play with you guys and mm-hmm. that's take long road trips where we could start to do yeah. that again for Christ's sake. And so and and you know, in this time that we find ourselves in, it's even more important and it's even more valuable. So, mm-hmm. you know, um yeah, it's it's all there, so. Oh, to be on a road trip again, that'd be fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Maybe not that far away. We'll see. Well, bug eater, so we'll see. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we'll we'll see how the world's looking in two months. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic and excited. Me too. I'm I'm painting models instead of playing Valheim for at least one hour a night, so that says something. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm, st- I'm still making terrain tables after I've got fifteen already done. So yeah. <laughs> I'm st- oh oh yeah I I picked up uh, the uh, forgot about this I picked up something called a hot knife. Oh yeah, foam really? cutter. Yeah. Just now? Not, not just a foam cutter, but it's like it's actually like an exacto blade, but it's heated okay. to specifically cut and carve through foam. Yep. Rather is than it, just making straight lines or just uh, melting stuff out. Is so. it a straight blade or is it curved? It's a straight blade. And how long is it? Interesting. Yeah, I, I have. It's, it's been in the package for about four weeks. How long is the blade? It's like a, it's like a extended exacto knife. Okay. All right. But but it's heated. So. All right. Cool. Cool. I'm interested to see how it works. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> give us a give us a review in the next episode. Yeah, right. Yeah, I got other stuff we owe reviews on in the next episode too. We have, and we have things that are probably taking off this agenda right now as we speak. No. Uh, yes, <laughs> probably. We're, they're getting pushed. Yeah, for sure. Um, yep. <clears throat> so there will be an episode 16. I got something special for you guys in store in the next episode. Ooh, I'm Ooh, excited right. here. Better be like press your luck or something. No whammies, big bucks. <laughs> No, because then you can cheat, because that game was rigged. <laughs> no, they fixed only if you, it. Only if you had exceptional timing. Fair. Yeah, fair. And you've oh, watched you, every episode. The only hint I'll give you guys is maybe you should brush up on some list building. Oh, shit. I'll, I like this. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm in trouble. Okay. Well, we'll do that next episode. Thank you for listening. Um, hope that Rick's voice is shot. Yeah, yeah. My, I'm, my, dude, I'm, I'm toast, man. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll I'll drink more water next time. Uh, do we want to hit the one of the last points on there? Sure. Do, do we want to talk about that? Do we want, do we want to talk about that? Do we know what we're doing yet? So does it matter? So we know that we should we let them know it's happening. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So as of now, Operation Snafu's on. Right. That is. We, yep. we are a go. Renegade Open is a go. Hotel confirmation. We will have the same room we had last year. Sweet. Nice. That's amazing. According to sources, yes. So we we. So, uh, depending on how restrictions lift, that will either be 16 to 36 players. Okay, right. <laughs> so, it's, but we're talking November, so we got we got some time for everyone to go out and get their vaccine and figure out how to wear a mask or get a snafu face shield or whatever we need to do. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I got my vaccine. So. Snafu, snafu face shields. That'd be wonderful. Can we get snafu branded 
full body latex suits? <laughs> oh, no, maybe not no. latex, but I think we talked about that a year ago. Hazmat suits, sure. <laughs> but we shouldn't be there at that point. Like we're all in the movie Outbreak or something. Like, no thanks. Ugh. All right, no thanks. so it's on. Like, it's we're, we're excited. I'm excited. Jeff, do you have any more to lead in with that, or you just we'll leave it? No, no, I'm reserving that for the next episode. Okay, I, I will tell you for sure that we will. Still have the intelligence officer. Okay. Yep. And we will still have an order dice limit. Yep. Sweet. Not a max on the number of units you can bring, but as Rick likes to say, number of dice in the bag. Yep. That's a different thing. They're different. And, yeah. And we will definitely go into that more in depth next time. Expect that to be a rules topic next time. Okay. Nice. The difference between those two things. Can't wait to see everyone again. Right. Oh, God. I just want to leave my house for more than ten minutes. Well, you can take a walk. What? Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to leave my house for more than Jesus. Four hours. Okay, mom. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Thanks>. tired. <laughs> All right, guys. You kids go play in the yard. What the hell? <laughs> don't don't hate us for whatever we said. Just no, remember. No, it's it's okay, Nate. It's just let us know so we can. Yep. Yep. We can tell you that. It doesn't. Well, yeah, we can we can talk about it. We can talk. By about all it. means, please. I want to do my best, Palpatine. Yes, yes. Good. 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 <laughs> no. In every circumstance, I think we always mean the best intention. I don't think we're obviously we don't try and be assholes, right? Uh, I mean, oh, I fine. Okay, to each other, fine. Whatever. I mean, to I'm each not, other. If that bleeds over to our to our listeners, then we are. I I am sorry about that. But yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. We'll see you again about a month. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is Snafu. Over and out. Have a good night, guys. Bye now. Have a good night, guys. Don't forget to stop recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I grow too old to dream, I'll have you. Remember when I grow too old to dream, your love will live in my heart. So kiss me, my sweet. So let us part And when I grow too old to dream That kiss will live in my heart
Should we join that that uh, Twitch and be like, "Where's third edition?" <laughs> that is exactly what we should do. Uh, just, just, just to sign up for like eighteen Facebook not, accounts so we can keep not, asking. And not just us, everybody in Auto Break, right? Yeah, even the guys, just, even yeah. the guys that don't play, just sign in and be like, "Hey, so what about that?" Uh... I know about this weird epic thing you're talking about, but what about third edition? What about third edition? Hey, I really want to get into the game, but I've been waiting for third edition to buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about quitting because third edition doesn't exist. 